You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Friday. It's July 15th, 2022. We hope that you're doing well. Here we are from our South College Street studios. My name is J.J. Jackson, proudly serving as the host of this show. I've got Cam Beery, Ryan Lavoie, and Brooks Childress with me on today's program. And it's loaded on today's show. We're going to have birthdays in sports, a nightly TV guide. We will chat with Ben Golliver of the Washington Post about NBA Summer League so far, the off-season free agency. We'll just catch up with him. A good conversation coming your way in about a half hour. At 4.15, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will stop by to join us on the program. And then at 5.15, Wes Flanagan, the assistant men's basketball coach for your Auburn Tigers, joins the show. Incredible interview coming your way at 5.15. Make sure you listen to that. And your phone calls are always welcome. 334-887-3401. Last show in-house for a few days as next week we will be in Atlanta at SEC Media Day. So a lot to cover, a lot to get into. Let's dive right into it. Ryan and Cam and Brooks join me on the show today. How are you guys? Doing great. Nice Friday, ready for the weekend. Can't wait. Um, Ready for you guys to cover some SEC Media Days. It's going to be a really, really good time. Uh, uh, Brandon and I will be here running the board. Make sure everything goes smoothly for you gentlemen. And uh, I hope you guys have a great time at the College Football Hall of Fame. I don't know if you guys – have you been there before, Ryan? I have, yeah. yes. Oh, so awesome. It um, is. I, I love the College Football Hall of Fame. I've been a couple times. Um, but it'll be really cool to, like, hold it in there. That'll be – did they do it la- the last time it was in Atlanta like that? or uh, Last time – Radio Row was set up at the uh, hotel, I think maybe the Omni. Yeah, Omni. Yeah, totally. um, Omni. Yeah, yeah. Which is just a couple minute right. walk yep. to the Hall of Fame. Um, but compared to what it's like in Birmingham, a lot of people are very irritated about right. it because in Birmingham you just go up the escalator and, and you're right there. Uh, but the main press conference room was in the College Football Hall okay. of Fame. So the the main thing that's different, which is why I think space was cut down, because like we can't even bring the banner that right. we have in there to put behind the uh, the table, um, is that it's going to be on the second floor. And since you've been there, yeah. you know you know the second floor's got exhibits oh, and stuff yeah. too. So oh, I'm yeah. still not quite understanding how it's going to all go. But right. I am glad to be in the Hall of Fame because it was a short a lot of walking walk back out, in 2018, yeah. back and yeah. forth. But uh, it's going to be yeah, going to be a good time for you guys. I'm definitely 
uh, excited for you guys to be there. That'll be really, really cool. Yeah, and um, as you said, can't do it without the folks back here behind the scenes, <laughs> keeping us on the air and keeping us afloat. And uh, hopefully, yeah, and I'll do our best. And when we move on to 2023, we don't know where Media Days is going to be next year. Yeah. Um, not confirmed to be in Atlanta. Uh, almost certainly confirmed to not be in Birmingham. Right. So where are we going? Who know. knows? That'd be sick. Who knows? That, and, and that will so, be the most realistic piece of news that we will hear. Sure. Big drum roll. Honestly. Sure. Yeah. It'll yeah. It, a likely announcement coming from Commissioner Greg Sankey when he takes the podium Monday around lunchtime is when he'll get the festivities off and rolling. Awesome. Yeah, but I'm doing great. Girlfriends meeting the parents this weekend, so that'll be a big really weekend. Time. Yeah. yeah. So uh, ready for it to get started? Going to the Georgia Aquarium on Sunday, so nice. should be fun. Yeah, big plans. Ryan, how are you? Uh, doing well. Um, my parents are in town right now. Um, we'll be Friday and Saturday, and then before we leave on Sunday. Uh, so uh, glad that they're here. Already had lunch with them, so it's going to be a uh, good weekend spending with the family. And uh, yeah, excited for many days and interested to see how it will play out. And I know that, uh, as I just alluded to, probably won't be anything quite as earth-shattering as there was last year when Oklahoma and Texas yeah. uh, were uh, reported to be joining the SEC. Of course, even wh- even though that happened during media days, there was no commenting on that at media days from you know Commissioner Sankey or anybody involved. I mean, a few in the media tried to ask you know certain coaches about what that would mean, but you had to be incredibly vague. And, and so even if there were some under the cover behind the scenes movement going on here they're not going to tell anyone about that next week so like i said i think the biggest thing is are we going to nashville next in, in media days are we going to uh, new orleans or are we going to texas somewhere uh, i think uh, houston or dallas i mean there's a lot of options the sec is looking at and especially you know if i were the sec my my two cents here is that i would save the texas trip until texas and oklahoma got in the yeah, league for sure uh i'd go ahead and go to nashville and or tampa or new orleans and oh, hit those tampa would be hit those spots up before before you go out to texas because yeah. then it'd make a whole lot more sense because uh, then there'd be a lot of hoopla around that so yeah. but we'll to, we'll see what they say i've never been to tampa or nashville so. it was uh, it was mentioned back in 2018 when we were in atlanta and his opening statement at the sec media days in atlanta in 2018 dallas was mentioned as a possibility uh to host the sec media days event by commissioner sankey so there we were in 2018 kind of laying out okay this could possibly be when we're going to be in dallas two things greatly changed <laughs> since then one COVID-19 happened, and there wasn't SEC Media Days at all in 2020, so that threw everything entirely off. And then now, as you just mentioned, we've got new schools joining the SEC. Was it supposed to be in Birmingham that year? In, in 2020, 2020, they hadn't really announced where say, it would be. They oh, left okay, it open. Okay. They left it vague. We yeah. knew that it would go back to Birmingham for one more year in 19. Right. And then 2020 was going to be TBD. And then all of a sudden, uh, the pandemic changed. hit, and it didn't matter. Everything changed. Yeah. <laughs> everything changed indeed. So everything changed indeed. I think that'll be the most intriguing part to, to learn where it will be uh, the next year. And again, we're just excited to try and uh, talk to anybody and everybody that we can and, and get some good guests on the show. And uh, again, we appreciate every yeah. everyone that, that has a role in it. Ryan, give me your thoughts on the show today. We've got Ben Golliver coming up from the Washington Post, Kevin McAlpin, Braves Radio Network, Wes Flanagan, talking about guests. We've got a good trio here today that we're going to get a chance to catch up with. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, a little bit of it is pre-recorded just because of the nature of everyone's schedules there, and um, we got to talk to them when we when we can. But 
Uh, we're really, really excited to share these conversations, and we will have some live as well. But, um, you know, it is a full show, and it's kind of a good precursor for what will happen next week because next week will be so guest-oriented. There won't be as much as us uh, blabbing around. It'll be a lot of uh, – <laughs> A lot of SEC network personalities and, and and that sort of thing, but you get a little bit of everything today because you get um, kind of maybe one last hurrah about about basketball and uh, the off season and, and where it stands and, and where the Auburn guys in the summer league stand. You get more Braves content, of course, that will continue throughout the summer as the Braves get into the uh, waning months here, and then you'll get some Auburn basketball content as we look forward to another quality Auburn basketball team. Uh, with with Coach uh, Wes Flanagan talking to us and uh, just about their trip to Israel that's coming up. That's something obviously very unique um, and, and just uh, a, a lot of tidbits about Auburn basketball as that program has become very closely followed here in the area due to its its rise over the last five years or so. So, yeah, good, good conversation about an array of different topics. And we're going to do that all on today's edition of Sports Call. All right, let's do this. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. If you would like to be a part of the show today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 888 tiger 9 Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. Some questions about phone calls next week at SEC Media Days. The best way to answer that is TBD. It is totally to be determined. Our guys that are going to be in the studio will be very happy to coordinate with anybody that calls in while we're on the air. But if we walk into a day where we've got... I don't know, 82 guests that are scheduled to join us on the program. Uh, That will not leave any time for your phone calls, but we promise you, absolutely promise you that you're going to love every single second of our coverage next week in Atlanta. Let's go to the phone lines for the first time during today's program. Joining us on Sports Call right now is... Jeff from Columbus. Jeff has called into the program. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hello, sir. Uh, Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good, good. Getting ready for the weekend. Hey, when I saw this yesterday, and it got to, I got to thinking, if you see Greg Pankey, well, tell him I said hello for first, okay? But after that, would you ask him when Oklahoma and Texas get here if he's going to penalize Oklahoma or any other team for the horns down salute? <laughs> That's a great I mean, question. I like that. I mean, seriously. I mean, that's that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Yeah, let's have I some mean, fun in football. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, horns down. I mean, what? So, and I guess there's going to be no more rammer jammer, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it so feels it, like they would take it, all the fun away if all those rules were to, to continue to be in away. place. So, right. So, if you do talk to some of the guys from Texas, I, I believe the guys from Texas don't even care. You know what I'm saying? I think it's, you're probably right in saying that. Yeah, I mean, it's football. You, if you want to beat them, you beat them. Amen. <laughs> if you want to make them shut up, you beat them, right? Amen. Okay. Well, um, seriously, that's all I had today. I hope you all have a great trip. And, uh, man, maybe you all will get out to Texas. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Sounds it's, like we're uh, headed that way in the future. Years. We'll see. All right. Have a great weekend, yeah. Jeff. Good to hear from you. You too. All right. See you later. That's our buddy Jeff from Columbus joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Each and every year, 
the SEC does grant every single radio station an interview with Commissioner Greg Sankey, so he will be on our program next week. And I think that is a fun, lighthearted question to ask the commissioner. I agree. I want to have some fun. If you're beating Texas, you should be able to throw the horns down um, hand signal to them. Why not? Let's have some fun. It is a little bit of a silly penalty when that's enforced, in my opinion. Yeah, and I uh, I think the commissioner will oblige with a humorous uh, a yeah. chuckle. Um, we we've uh, yeah obviously gotten you know I I've been very and maybe this is something that happens with other other conferences maybe it's not but I've been very pleased that each and every year Commissioner Sankey has had the availability to go to I mean I I think he goes to every single every single one. one. Um, over the course of the of the three or four days, so um, you know he's always been very gracious about that time. And look, it's a very taxing week, and I know that a lot of people criticize him. Uh, a lot of people criticize just the commissioner of any sport. That's kind of the position that you yeah. get in. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of work to be done there, and there's a lot of uh, stress because again, w- we always focus on maybe one medium one part of it, but especially in, in college football, when you're a commissioner of a conference, you have to look out for all the schools in all the sports. Uh, you know, this is celebrating football part of it, and that's why we go here in July. But, you know, Commissioner Sankey's also got to deal with what's best for tennis programs and golf programs and, you know, women's basketball and, and all these other sports that, you know, don't bring in the revenue but still matter to student-athletes and still matter to people. So, um, you know, that that is also part of the task that can kind of get lost, although we do focus at this time of year on one particular thing in football. We've got to go ahead and we'll take a commercial break on today's show. When we come back, James from Montgomery joins the program. That conversation's coming up next here on Sports Call. need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Jake Crane, host of the J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson with Cam Berry, Ryan LeBoy, and Brooks Childress here inside our studios on South College Street. Appreciate any and every phone call that we can get. Again, coming up next week, we are live from SEC Media Days. And coming up in 10 minutes, Ben Golliver of the Washington Post will join our show. So, with that in mind, got time to take a quick phone call as we go to our Auburn Bank phone lines. Joining us now is our good pal, James from Montgomery. James has called into the program. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about uh, college football and uh, where it's actually going to be played in some uh, great stadiums. Where do you think... uh, in the near future, where do you think Auburn uh, would actually relocate, you know, for college football in the near future? Like what stadium or uh, venues that you'll see uh, the Auburn Tigers actually playing in? Yeah, I, I don't know that they'll ever relocate. They're going to stay at Auburn. They're going to stay at Jordan-Hare Stadium for sure, but they've got some games coming up over the years uh, at Baylor, at, at UCLA, at Cal. Those are some fun non-traditional 
uh, non-traditional SEC matchups, obviously, that they'll get to go play. So I think those are three schools right there to start with, James. The Baylor Bears, the UCLA Bruins, and the Cal Golden Bears are are due up on Auburn's schedule in the non-conference. Yeah, because I I really do like the non-conference games, but I think to add to the non-conference games, I would like to see UC... uh, uh, USC versus Auburn in um, in Rome in the Coliseum in Rome, uh, right across the pond. So I'll, I'll probably see that actually, like in the near future. I would love to see uh, Auburn, Auburn play a football game in Rome. Mm-hmm. In the Coliseum, in the old historic Coliseum as well. Wow. And, um, it, it, it's it's more of like a historic matchup between the Tigers. And the Trojans as well, if you if you catch my drift as well. It is a historic matchup, that's for sure. So, uh, and we do catch your drift. We'll we'll, we'll see if uh, maybe that could happen. I don't know the likelihood of that. It seems very unlikely to me, but I've been wrong before. So, James, we shall see. Yeah, because I um, I do like college football, and I've seen so many great um, college football games being played, and so many great. Uh, stadiums right outside of their own uh, stadiums. I've actually seen one years ago actually being played in Yankee Stadium in uh, in the Bronx, and it was one of the best games ever. You know, you know, played in in a baseball stadium for a long time as well. You're exactly right. Exactly right, James. Yeah, because I mean, with with so many great uh, college football games I've seen over the years. Uh, from football to basketball, I would like to see um, the Army-Navy game actually being played on one of the Navy carriers in, in uh, you know in the near future as well, or close to like um, Veterans Day weekend as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, they like it at the end of the season the way they've been having it, but I don't know necessarily that they could play the game on a Navy carrier. So make sure that you seems don't get to ta- be favored more. <laughs> don't get towards, tackled uh, into the ocean. That, that, that seems more favored towards Navy. I think it needs to be at a fair neutral site yeah. for both Army and Navy. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, with those two um, great uh, division rivals, um, they're actually one of the those that those two schools are are very very old in um in history and in tradition because with that i mean you have so many so many great players of the past that played with navy you have so many great players of the past that played with army and it's one of the it's one of the best games i've always marked on my calendar and it, it's a really really good um feel for it as as well to see some of the great great um players that actually come along uh, out of Navy or Army as well. There have been a lot of great players, that's for sure. Hey, we've got a guest coming up here in just a few moments, so I want to make sure we use all your time wisely on the program today. What else would you like to talk about, James? Um, Nothing right now, but I'll probably call you all back on Monday, if that's okay. Yeah, we'll be at SEC Media Days, buddy, so we're, we'll try our best to get you on the show but if we've got tons of guests to talk to at SEC Media Days in Atlanta, we might not be able to take your phone call. Did you have any other thoughts on uh, Major League Baseball or the All-Star Game coming up? Um, No, but I'll just probably hold off on that, and I'll just put a lid on that until after uh, we come back from SEC Media Days as well. Perfect. We're looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to your weekend? Do you have any big plans this weekend? 
Um, actually, I do have big plans this weekend. I'm actually going to be going out. Um, I'm actually taking uh, some pictures. I'm actually going to take uh, historic pictures for um, old Alabama town and um, putting those on uh, Instagram as well and um, seeing if I can get some likes on that. Yeah, that'd be big if you could get some likes on any posts that you have. So hopefully those photos go well for you. You got a nice camera you use, or do you take pictures with your phone? Um, I actually take pictures with my phone, so I'm going to be taking some really, really, really uh, sharp uh, HD pictures. I'm going to have them in color, then I'm going to have some in black and white, and then I'm going to have some like in a darker in a darker shade as well. There you go. I think that'll be fun. Post your pictures. We'll be sure to uh, let you know what we think about them. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. Have you spoke to Marie lately? Uh, yes, we actually did. Um, we always um, we always talk from time to time, but um, we're just having a little relationship troubles, but um, things are looking a little bit okay. Okay, I just didn't know whether or not you guys were, were still dating and wanted to check in and see how that was going. Oh, uh, yes, it, it's going good. So um, we're still dating for now, but um, if things don't work out, for the both of us, um, maybe somebody else might come along. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Well, James, thank you for the phone call today. I look forward to talking to you next week, uh, if possible. Okay, have a great weekend. War Eagle. All right. All right, War Eagle. That's James from Montgomery, and he's joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Tremendous stuff right there, as always, from one of our favorites. Let's take this next commercial break on the program when we come back, Ben Golliver, he writes for the Washington Post about the National Basketball Association. We'll chat with him in just a moment here on Sports Call. Jay Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. Our show can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap Skills and Games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, then tap Enable to Use. You're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Again, my name is J.J. Jackson. I've got Cam Berry, Ryan LaVoy, and Brooks Childress on the show with me inside our studios today. And we are beyond thrilled to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us now from the Washington Post is senior NBA reporter Ben Golliver, uh, who's here to chat with us live from Las Vegas, the site of NBA Summer League. And Ben's back with us here on the program. The time is always greatly appreciated be honest, how hot is it these days, this time of year in Las Vegas, outside, Ben? Well, you know, it's actually a, a little bit uh, chilly today. It's only 101 right now. I mean, <laughs> it got up to 
We got up to 112 earlier in the week. I think that was the highest Jeez. I saw. And, man, you know, it's it's pretty rough. One night I lost my rental car in the parking lot right, right around sunset. So I was doing a lap. Stay on my feet. I mean, it was a mess. So, um, you know, it, it, Vegas, it's going to test you a little bit. But the nice payoff is you get to see all these high-level rookies, you know, really in action for the first time. So that's been fun. Yeah, when, when you're inside a basketball gym, not much heat that you have to worry about. But, uh, boy, I tell you, outside that there dry, in Vegas, that dry it's, heat is it, it's different. Cam, you and I have been there before, and it's, oh. it's absolutely uh, crazy what we're going through. Ben, last time we had you on the show, it was hours before the NBA draft took place. You were about to walk into the Barclays Center. We're talking about the fact that, hey, Jabari Smith, our guy here in Auburn, is going to be the number one overall pick. And then that just didn't happen. He falls to three <laughs> to the Houston Rockets. And here you are watching him uh, in Houston or for the Houston Rockets. Tell us uh, about the draft fall there possibly for Jabari. And what have you seen so far from Summer League? Well, it was one of the weirdest draft nights that I can remember in recent memory. I mean, um, largely because no one could figure out why Orlando was so secretive about what they wanted to do. I mean, typically we kind of have a good sense for who it was going to be. And I think a lot of the scouts around the league just assumed that the Magic would take Jabari because he's such a modern player. You can envision him guarding four or five positions. You can envision him shooting the uh, three-point shot at a very high level that's kind of what people look for. You figure, hey, if he can build up his uh, ball handling ability a little bit and show a little bit more creation off the dribble, this is a guy who's going to be sort of a perennial all-star level guy. And so that's why I think the consensus was around Jabari, but Orlando saw it differently. And, and I think I understand why. You look at their team for the last 10 years, they've been in the bottom 10 of offense um, every single year, right? So that just tells you, like, they want scoring punch. They want a guy who can come in and give them some buckets early, and that's really who Paolo is. I mean, you watch uh, Paolo Bancaro here in Las Vegas. He looks like a very polished player, kind of like a young Carmelo Anthony, really good off the dribble. He's got kind of a deep bag, and I think that the Magic were saying, look, this is going to be our number one scoring option. We're going to go this direction, and that kind of put Jabari in a spot where, okay, well, what's his new home going to be? And he winds up landing with Houston, which I think is a good fit. They need his defense. They need his three-point shooting. And I think they really need his character, too. I think you look at how young that roster is, uh, the number of losses that they went through last year. They have some guys, in my opinion, who have their own agendas, who are out there trying to just play pickup basketball, trying to get their own numbers. They need a guy who's a good teammate, who, who puts you know uh, his, his teammates before himself, who's unselfish but who can kind of pick his spots on offense, and who's willing to do the dirty work on defense. And that's been Jabari Smith. And i got to tell you guys, I love his competitive spirit. Paolo Bancaro, he played two games here in Las Vegas, and he said, I'm done. You know, I'm just going to sit out. And they shut him down early. I watched Jabari Smith. He's still playing. He played last night. He's been here all week playing basketball, playing hard, and playing great on defense. I love to see that. It's Ben Golliver joining us on the program, talking about Jabari Smith, and we certainly saw that competitive nature, that competitive spirit from Jabari, his lone season playing for Bruce Pearl's Tigers. I want to get to NBA free agency and some of this offseason in just a moment, but one more summer league question for you while you're there. Here at Auburn, we mentioned in the past you've got someone like Chuma Okiki and Isaac Okoro who are a few seasons into their NBA careers. But Auburn also proudly boasts a couple of second-year guys in JT Thor with the Charlotte Hornets and Sharif Cooper with the Atlanta Hawks, both of those guys in Las Vegas. Uh, We've seen both of them make some nice plays there in Summer League. Anything in particular from either Sharif Cooper or JT Thor stand out to you, Ben? 
I'll be honest, I've been focusing a lot on the lottery guys. You know, it was a little bit of a disappointment. We didn't get to see Walker Kessler. You know, I was kind of circled him and was kind of hoping maybe he'd get a big opportunity because I think, you know, you look at his trade in terms of where it landed him, he's going to play a lot as a rookie. I mean, whether as a starter or as a backup, I mean, I think he's going to be somebody where, you know, when they when they do that big go-bear trade, maybe he's a little bit of a footnote to it, right? Um, but, you know, you start to line up the depth chart for where he lands, and it's like, oh, all right. I mean, this guy is going to be a, a real factor as a rookie. But, um, no, I've been focusing most of my energy on those top five, top ten picks. So I'm sorry, guys. Uh, all good, Ben, and, and we do want to get your thoughts here now on some of the business conducted uh, this off season, and, and we'll start with some of the trades that have happened so far. Uh, obviously, the, the first couple that come to mind, the Rudy Gobert trade uh, to Minnesota with a lot of draft picks, both already picked uh, this year and then in the future, and then the DeJounte Murray trade to Atlanta. What are your thoughts on those two trades in particular? Well, it's just like uh, the rest of the world, right? We got inflation going on. You know, we're all dealing with like, first it was like baby formula, then it was gasoline. Now it's uh, NBA All-Stars. You know, the price just keeps going up and going up in terms of how many young players you have to send back or how many draft picks you have to send back. Um, it's two really interesting gambles from Atlanta and Minnesota. I think both those teams are saying, look, we might not historically be like major free agent destinations. You don't see like power play moves where guys like LeBron, or Kevin Durant want to go play for the Hawks or the Timberwolves. But what they're saying is we could put together kind of a mini version of a super team or at least a super partnership with some all-star level players and really try to go for it in a way that those two franchises historically haven't done. For Atlanta, they're just trying to get a defensive complement to Trey Young, right? They're saying, Trey, you handle the shooting, you handle running the offense. DeJounte Murray's going to come in and handle the, the toughest defensive assignment, and he'll be a secondary creator. I like that partnership, and I also think it could be interesting where if you have those two guys together and it's fun and it works and they have like a young, nice identity, maybe somebody else wants to come play with those guys and all of a sudden you have a big three, right? I'm not sure Atlanta's going to go super deep in the playoffs next year, but I think they're on to something. You know, they're, they're building something there. Now, with Minnesota, it's just a huge gamble. I mean, you're, you're sending out all these draft picks, you know, some of them unprotected. You're sending out a bunch of young players and, and rotation guys, you know, so you're kind of, uh, you know, cramping your depth a little bit, and you're banking on two seven-footers, guys who are going to be making a combined like four hundred and something million dollars in Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert to be able to figure out how to make it work when you know sometimes at the highest level of playoff basketball, you know, teams don't have two centers. Sometimes they don't even have one center. They just go small and they play like guys like Draymond Green get to play center. Or even at times, Kevin Durant played some center during the playoffs. So they're going against the grain big time. I think it might blow up in their face. I'm not a huge believer in what Minnesota's trying to do. But I'll tell you this, guys. They're very confident. They believe it themselves. You know, you're here in Las Vegas. It's all about risks and people gambling. They feel like the guy at the craps table on a hot street. You know, they feel like they got a really good player with Rudy Gobert. And they think they're going to do something special next year. And so it's just a fascinating thing of uh, who's going to be right, you know, all the doubters or this team that really believes in their vision. And, Ben, usually in free agency we see a, a couple of big moves or a couple of big signings. And I, and I feel like we've maybe gotten a little spoiled in recent years because someone like Kevin Durant or LeBron James has changed teams uh, a few times in free agency. But uh, not as many marquee free agent moves. So, so what stood out to you? What do you think might be an underrated move that a team either re-signs somebody or, or signs somebody for a mid-level, something like that, that will go under the radar but will help that team immensely next year? 
Well, let me say first, I mean, yet. You know, we haven't seen those moves yet. I mean, Kevin Durant requested a trade in very public fashion on the very first day of free agency, and that situation remains unresolved, right? So, uh, and if, if he goes, now all of a sudden maybe Kyrie Irving goes or, or potentially the other way around. Maybe the Lakers can come up with a Kyrie Irving uh, offer, uh, possibly involving Russell Westbrook, and that leads to Kevin Durant needing to find, uh, you know, an exit strategy from Brooklyn even more than he already wants. So uh, I wouldn't say this summer is over, and we've still got the Donovan Mitchell situation in Utah percolating. To me, if I'm the Jazz, I want to sell high on Donovan Mitchell just like I sold high on Rudy Gobert. You're going to be bad either way next year just because of how young your team is. And in some cases, you know, you've got some really aging vets who aren't going to be contributing as much. Uh, I'd be trying to sell those guys off as well in trades, whether it's a Mike Conley or Bogdanovich. I mean, I would just turn the whole thing into a garage sale if I was Danny Ainge. And I think that's what he wants to do. So I don't think we're done yet. I just think it's a weird summer where, like, we didn't get the big bang right off the top, but it's, you know, kind of trickling out. We even saw the DeAndre Ayton uh, signing happen yesterday where that's another pretty big name, a guy with all-star potential who decides to stay in Phoenix. So, um, you know, don't write this summer off yet. You know, it's just a, it's a little bit of an unconventional one um, or, you know, just a little bit of a different one. Now, in terms of some minor moves, um, you know, around the edges of, of teams that, you know, have done well, I, to me, I circle the Boston Celtics. Now, they got pretty darn close to winning that title, right? I mean, they're a couple wins away from beating Golden State. Uh, they grab Malcolm Brogdon. They grab uh, Danilo Gallinari. Now, those are two guys who have had some injury issues. They're not two huge names, but they are two guys who fill direct problems, you know, direct holes for that team. Now, with Brogdon, you saw Boston's offense just fall to pieces in the finals, right? They didn't have a ball handler. It was too much on Jason Tatum, too much on Jalen Brown. And Marcus Smart's just not that traditional point guard to get it done. Brogdon comes in and gives them um, that look. You know, they can go to a guy who's an experienced pick-and-roll player who's a good spot-up shooter. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he's a big-time game-changer. And the best part is he's big and physical, and he can play defense, too, in a backcourt spot. So he doesn't really change how Boston wants to play. And then with Gallinari, you know, it's a shooter on the wing. It's a guy who can space the court, give you a little bit of punch off the bench. They didn't have enough of, of that in the playoffs either. They were really tight on like a seven-man rotation once the playoffs came around. And Gallinari should help address that as well. The amazing part to me is they added those two guys without losing any of their top eight players this summer. They kept the entire rotation. I think Brad Stevens is going to be in line for GM of the year next year. I mean, he's had a great run there ever since he uh, transitioned from coach to president. It's been going wonderful for him. And uh, back to summer league and talking about this rookie class. Um, you said you were talk, uh, you were focusing on really those top ten uh, picks. Um, outside of the top three, which of you know those top ten picks do you think um, will make the most impact for their team immediately? Well, it's been tough because a guy like Shaden Sharp, who everybody wanted to see in Portland, who, who maybe was going to be fighting for some minutes, he immediately got injured here, and so that was the the one wild card X factor everybody wanted to see. Um, but you're looking at you know number four pick Keegan Murray has played his butt off. I mean, he's been amazing. He's you know playing huge minutes. He's scoring a lot. He's not super duper athletic. You know, he doesn't really look like that. Um, you know, that uh, the guy who makes the scouts drool like a Jabari Smith. Um, but he's just real subtle. He knows how to get to his spots, and he's been shooting the basketball great um, from the three point arc. So he's had a nice summer league. Uh, Benedict Matherin, a kid from Arizona, um, has also had some really nice moments. He's got this great sidestep three pointer. You know, it's an NBA level shot. He's clearly worked on it. Um, he can get it off against pretty much any defense. 
and he's also not afraid to go to the basket and be physical. And I think if you're the Pacers, you know, you're starting this rebuild, the whole thing is going to be built around Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton. Those guys are going to get huge minutes this season after that Malcolm Brogdon trade, and they're going to be guys to watch. I mean, you know, I could even see them being in a situation where maybe Matherin's kind of in the rookie of the year mix just because he's going to have to have the ball so much and do so much for them um, right out of the gate. So those are a couple of names. We've had a, a few other injury issues that have, uh, you know, thinned out the crop a little bit. But, you know, watching a guy like Chet Holmgren, to me, that's been one of the, the highlights of this entire summer league. He is such a smart player. Obviously, his body is so unusual. And I think, you know, both you – know, the way I wrote it this week was he didn't have a bust in the entire top five. There was nobody who got uh, – you know, who came out to Vegas and just looked like they couldn't play. Um, you know, Paolo, Chet, Jabari, they all had their moments. Keegan Murray – had his moments as well. And, and even before he got injured, uh, Jaden Ivey, you know, the, the guard that gets everybody excited, gets the Donovan Mitchell comparisons and the Russell Westbrook comparisons, he had some nice moments too before he sprained his ankle. So it was kind of one of those situations like, you know, sometimes you go to Vegas and you come home empty-handed because you, uh, you know, you, you bet all your money and you don't got anything left. And this was a, uh, a year where all the top teams are coming home with something to be proud of. Like they got something out of their top picks. Uh, everybody had some good moments. Our guest today is Ben Golliver with the Washington Post. Follow him on Twitter, at Ben Golliver, uh, to see some of his work there. We started talking about the heat that you experience when you go somewhere like Las Vegas in the middle of July. Also at these events, Ben, it seems like when you're just watching on television, plain and simple, it's a who's who of who's at the arena that night that you could possibly run into. What's that even like to be there in person when you legit are seeing just absolute superstars of the sport and other walks of life even that are at the games each and every night? What's that like? No, I mean, you nailed it. I really enjoy the, the kind of the paparazzi feel to it. I mean, if you're just sitting there watching a the game courtside, it's LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook. Uh, you got Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks. You got Floyd Mayweather, the boxer. Um, you know, Ben Simmons showed up. John Morant showed up. Damian Lillard showed up. And that's what I love about the summer league. You know, I've been coming for, you know, probably almost 15 years now. And it's just built up gradually, you know, bit by bit, year by year. And we're at the point now where it's become a magnet for the top players, right? You know, if you want to, uh, you know, watch your young teammates play, if you want to get a little bit of television time, if you want to maybe go gamble on the strip and then come over and, and just kind of slide through, you know, you can do that as well. Even Zion Williamson, a guy who we barely saw all season long because he was injured, you know, he decided to show up at Summer League the other day, which was great to see kind of from their team-building perspective just watching him hanging out with guys like Brandon Ingram and the rest of that Pelicans group. So um, I just love it from a basketball standpoint. I love to see which stars are the true basketball junkies, right? Like who really lives and breathes <laughs> this stuff. And one guy I'd say is John Morant. He was out there almost every single game for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have a really good team this year. Just, uh, you know, just a bunch of good athletes and, um, you know, a bunch of high level picks guys who are just trying to make names for themselves and, John Morant's just been eating it up courtside every single night, and I love to see that. Let's wrap with this. Final two questions here for Ben Golliver with the Washington Post. You mentioned Kyrie Irving there a moment ago. We talked a little bit about Russell Westbrook and whether or not he could be involved in a Laker deal. Do you still think when the season starts and rolls around that Kyrie Irving uh, is playing for the Lakers, or is he playing for the Nets, or what do you think ultimately happens there with Kyrie? I mean, look, he's trying to manifest this trade to the Lakers. He wants it to happen. He's been hanging out in L.A. He's been going to basketball games in L.A. He showed up. 
um, at summer league, but he did not go to a Nets game. You know, he was he was uh, you know trying to make it pretty clear there's a little distance there. To me, it makes all the sense in the world. Both those guys just wore out their welcomes last year, Westbrook and Kyrie. And if you switch them, um, you know, I think Kyrie's in a better spot to kind of just change the story from what was a tricky time in Brooklyn. And, you know, LeBron James would welcome him with open arms after what was just a disastrous season with Westbrook. So I think it makes sense. I think that this is going to probably be a long negotiation where you're just kind of haggling over picks and everything else. Um, But, you know, if I was Brooklyn, I would want to pull the plug. There's been a lot of talk the last couple of days of like, oh, maybe the Nets are just going to try to bring Kyrie back and, and bring KD back. I just want to say that team was miserable last year, and they lost some really important pieces this summer. Guys like Bruce Brown, who'd be another really good under-the-radar move um, you were asking about earlier. Bruce Brown, you know, that's a nice pickup uh, for the Denver Nuggets. But you've got uh, Goran Dragic leaving. You know, Blake Griffin's going to leave. All these other guys that are leaving. There's nobody left, right? So why do you want to go back there? If I'm the Nets, uh, I'm doing the same thing the Utah Jazz are doing, just trying to have an auction, sell as high as possible, get rid of those superstars, and just move on and kind of get back to you know an identity where you're a scrappy, a little bit more of an underdog-type team uh, because they just couldn't handle the limelight. They could not handle the glare as an organization. So I hope they pull the trigger. I hope they don't try to make it work because it was such a mess. They just need to move on. You know, sometimes you just got to cut ties, man. You know, yeah. you just reach that point where it's like, look, this isn't working. Everybody's been through a breakup like that. I think that's where the Nets are right now. Look, it was toxic. Admit it and move on. Last question, and I'm excited for this one. Earlier this week, Ben, we saw a fellow media member like yourself, yes, I'm referring to Richard Jefferson, get to officiate <laughs> an NBA Summer League for one quarter. If Ben Golliver is put in that situation, in that setting, how does that go? Well, I'd be even more nervous than Richard. And Richard was nervous. (laughs) I was watching him before the quarter, man. He was like, you know, he was uh, shifted back and forth on his feet. Uh, He looked very nervous. The first call, there was a huge dispute about did he get it right. And one of the other referees came in and overturned it. (laughs) And it was so funny because after the game, he was in the tunnel. And he he insisted that he had it right. And he wanted to go back and check the video. He's like, let's go cue up different angles. Let's make sure, you know, we get the truth about this one. So, (laughs) You can tell the consp- uh, the competitive spirit that helps you be an NBA player uh, probably helps you be a good NBA referee as well. But I'll tell you what, man, I used to referee high school games years and years ago oh, right wow. after I graduated yeah. college. You know, just local, you know, not, not good games. Yeah. Not like intramural games. Uh, I'm probably getting paid like 10 bucks an hour to do sure. this. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> you couldn't pay me 100 bucks an hour to do that now, man, because I was not a player's favorite. They were always coming after me. I couldn't handle the heat. So, uh, <laughs> professionals i'll tell you what though watching richard jefferson do what he did i hope that gives people respect for what the real referees are doing out there that's a tough job you know there's a lot of big egos in the nba guys who will yell at you scream at you say every last thing in the book and i think the the way that they keep their composure most nights is incredible i could never do it it's just a remarkable point that you got there well listen we really do appreciate the time ben as always i'm hopeful that as summer league winds down you get some time off yourself because you're always working so hard again thank you for the time as always and uh, we'll be sure to follow your work with the washington post moving forward talk again soon ben okay all right take care guys all right that's ben goliver our good buddy from the washington post here with us on sports call Uh, he's been one of our favorites over the years We're proud to be a a part of this Washington Post network of great reporters across the sports world. Had Chuck Culpepper earlier in the week, Ben Golliver, one of the top guys as well. And uh, yeah, that really was fun to see Richard Jefferson out there trying to officiate 
for one quarter of Dude. a summer league game. And then as Ben was saying, hopefully the big thing walking away from that is just a greater appreciation for officials. We'll talk about officials next week at SEC Media Days, yeah. I'm sure. Like, there's got to be at some level appreciation for what those referees do. Dude, officiating is hard. Like, really, really hard. I did it for um, for intramurals my freshman year uh, for basketball, and I did flag football as uh-huh. well. It's so difficult. I mean, it just even at that level, like, it's intramural sports, right? And so, obviously, everybody still wants to win, and they're competitive, but to make those calls and understand what is and what isn't and all that, it, it's tough. I will say that much. It is very, very tough. I don't know that I could ever see myself doing it's it hard, because man. of, yeah, <laughs> it just feels if I'd be interested. Like, I think that there's a part of everybody that's like, how would I, how good would I be at this? Really? You know, average. knowing the sports, watching the sports, how good would I be? And uh, I think he's right. I think that I hope people walk away from moments like that having a greater appreciation for what officials are doing out there. Remember when you wanted me to do the uh, do some high school officiating yeah. this fall? Dude. And thought about it for Good. a little bit? I, t- I had forgotten about that. Good. I could jump back Look. on that train here. Let's make that happen. Eh. Let's get you out there on the gridiron. <laughs> Don't, do yeah. Don't do it, right? <laughs> Don't eh. I think for I, – I say that about I, – I have a good feeling he could be uh, – Yeah, I think Ryan, Ryan be Ryan's on top of some things yeah, for yeah. sure. He's, he's extremely impartial. And he'd call things ex- very fair. Look, um, I definitely get that vibe from him. But even if he calls it fair, there will always, always be somebody that's going to sure. disagree. Always. Sure. Yeah. And oh. I don't know if I can take that because it's like it I just I don't like arguments that are nonsensical. Like I can do an <laughs> argument with you know information based, but like you know I don't I don't <laughs> do the irrational. Hey, you stuff. might make like, a good no nonsense ref for real. Yeah, but I just I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean Ryan will get yelled at like Ryan will get yelled at twice from the sideline and give give I, a warning. I feel <laughs> like I feel like the easiest sport to ref would be baseball. And I j- if you have the eye for it because you know, you're you're calling balls and strikes and look, you are talking about a very small radius, but you're looking at one thing. Right. When you're looking at basketball and football, you're looking for multiple Everything. things at once, yes. you know. And I feel like yes. you, I can focus on one thing. Um, but even still, the fans are probably the parents are probably as oh, accessible the to those umpires as any other sport. So like yeah. they're going to, you know, yell at you from behind, Yo. you know, twenty feet away, and um, it's a terrible call. Huh? And it's just like, you know, like, I'm sorry that your son, you know, forgot to swing the bat. Like, I can't <laughs> help you with that. Like, like, what do you want me to do? You know, like, anyway, um, I think I've taught myself out of doing it now. Um, well, but there we there, go. There was like a two-week Sad stretch. development. Two-week stretch where we were looking at it, though. I wish I'd I might known. reignite that fire. We'll I see. I wish I'd have known that was going on. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have pushed but it. Have a whistle and everything. <sighs> Don't tell yeah. me that. <laughs> no way. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, I do Dude. have a whistle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard. I would have supported you, though. <laughs> I appreciate it's, it. I, I think you'd make a good referee. Thank you. It was cool to see Richard Jefferson give his go at it, give his hand at it, and it was fun to, like Ben was saying, and there's the internet clip out there, the very first call that happens. <laughs> He's he got to be overturned. Wrong, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's funny. I thought I was going to watch more of it than I did, but it was so late at night. Like I just, I just saw the the highlights. Yeah, so no doubt about that. Forgot to put his hand up for a three. He's oh, funny man. too. Yeah, 
That, uh, look, that was Ben Golliver of the Washington Post joining us. Still to come in the second hour, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will be on our program. Wes Flanagan joins the show a little bit later as well. Alongside Cam Berry, Ryan LaVoy, and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. All right, the second hour of Sports Call gets started right now on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. My name is J.J. Jackson, the host of the show, alongside Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry. We've got so much to discuss throughout the rest of the program here today. And we also, we got to take your phone calls. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 If you would like to call in and be a part of the show, we'll go to our phone lines right now. And joining us on the program is... War Damn Steve. Retired War Damn Steve now joins us. Hello there, Steve. Hello, and thank God it's Friday. Absolutely. Yes. End of the week. End of the week. All right, guys, I enjoyed hearing the uh, interview you had shortly, uh, just earlier. Uh, just lost connection with Steve there. We'll get Steve back in just a matter of moments here on the program. But, yeah, we just had a really good conversation mm-hmm. with Ben Golliver of the Washington Post seconds ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, we were able to ask an array of things from, um, obviously, the, the Summer League going on right now and the Auburn guys, what they're doing, and then uh, also NBA free agency slash trading. Could talk NBA um, all day. Absolutely. Um, and, and so there's still a lot of business to potentially be done in the NBA, but certainly Summer League is something that everyone uh, talking about a lot right now. It's starting to wrap up a little bit. I think the last day before the actual tournament. playoffs, yeah. tournament, whatever um, you might call it, is is today. So every team after this will be in a uh, single elimination format. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. He's back with us right now. Joining us on the program is... Ward Damn Steve. Here's retired Ward Damn Steve on the show. There you go, Steve. Hi, guys. It's not that easy to get rid of me, okay? <laughs> What's up? I'm stubborn. All right. Uh, it is Fun Friday. So, 
Uh, I just was uh, right before I lost connection with you guys. I'd like to see if you guys, I mean, you're really great at getting some really good uh, guests on here. I'd like to see if you could sometime in your future get Mr. Andy Staples from The Athletic on. Hopefully we'll be able to connect with him uh, next week at SEC Media Days. We have tried in the past to effort one of those conversations, but he is incredibly busy. Okay. So we'll see what and we I, can make happen. I'd like to see if you could ask him some questions from his article that I mentioned uh, this past week that he wrote. All right, moving on, guys. You talked about how officiating is difficult. I, I don't, you know, uh, doubt that for a moment. However, when you get paid to do nothing else but be an official for a certain sport, you should be a little bit, I think, a little bit, uh, I guess, precise and better at it than your typical average sports uh, fan uh, watching a game. So I'm referring to how hard is it to call a double dribble that's right in front of you as an official? Example, the Virginia-Auburn game in basketball. And how hard is it to call holding in the end zone was being done by not one but two Alabama players uh, in the infamous Iron Bowl last year that would have dramatically changed the outcome of that game? Tell me, guys, how hard is it to make those kind of calls? I mean, obviously we don't like the way those no. calls went. No, we um, well, what do you mean we don't like them? I mean, if it had been the other way around, I mean, those are so obvious. What made it so difficult for those not to be not to have been called, guys? I mean, I, I can't tell you, Steve. I can't tell you. I just know that it, it's harder than it than it looks. A double dribble it, in front of the person who's right there watching it. Well, you see, Steve, wow. I, like obviously in hindsight that was a terrible call, but like in real at, time. at the same time, like I didn't know the rule nope. at first. Yep. That, exactly every every time say. since then, I've now I've now started to freak out every single time that happened. But at that moment, I don't think if most people are being honest, I don't think people remembered that rule, and so uh, you know that's not your traditional yeah. double dribble. Yeah. Okay, how about the traditional holding call that Alabama gets away with in the Iron Bowl, though in the end zone when Bryce Young is swinging out trying to find a receiver, and two of our guys are being held like mad. I mean, it was a tackle on one of them, and nothing is thrown. It's, I mean, it's tough, Steve. Uh, again, we, we talk about officiating. Uh, haven't done it before ourselves. And in football, 11 players on the field for you. Yeah. That's 22 guys out there. And, yeah, there are more officials, but there are a ton of things that you've got to watch. And yeah. so, yes, we have the right to be frustrated from time to time, but I can't go all the way towards uh, just uh, over-the-top criticizing yeah. because I've never done it before. And they're And human. I do understand. They are human at the end of the day. Okay, moving on. I think Ryan made it. I think Ryan made an absolutely incredible point earlier when talking about this when he said, hey, when you're an umpire and you're calling balls and strikes, you're literally looking one at thing. one thing. Yeah. It's probably One the easiest thing. sport to call. That's it. Yeah. Basketball and football, all of the movement and so many on. different players that you're having to watch at once, that feels really difficult. Yeah. Well, when you've got the focus being on somebody in the end zone who happens to be the quarterback and he's in your focus, uh, who else are you watching? Okay. Moving on, guys. Let's talk about some uh, possible controversial Big 12 uh, rule changes. Have you come across that? I haven't. Tell us what you're talking about. This has come from C.J. Vogel. Do you know who that is? I haven't heard that name before. Yeah, I don't know that Anyway, he said, new Big 12 rule. A ball caught in the end zone by an airborne wide receiver who is driven out of the end zone by a defender before he can land will be deemed a touchdown. Really? Wow. 
That's actually surprising. Yeah, that, that could be something we talk more about next week at SEC Media Day, so we'll look into that. And that fact, that rule was in, in effect for a while, uh, for several years, I think, uh, in the NFL, and then it got uh, just dismissed. Well, wasn't that, uh, didn't that go on the NFL, guys? You said, did it go into the NFL? Yeah, I thought that was a rule at one time for a while, but it got finally, you know, it, Maybe it, so. it went by the wayside. But now, if they're going to do that rule, guys, according to what this author said, then will that hold true for some other plays, like wide receiver going out of being, uh, you know, like he said, being driven out of the uh, on sidelines? Will that count as a catch? Let's be consistent here, right? Yeah, you would think. I mean, uh, why is it worthy of being a touchdown still if it's yeah. in the end zone and driven out before you uh, before you land in the end zone versus in bounds, out of bounds? I mean, yeah. That again, it's it's difficult rule decisions to be made there. Okay, moving on, guys. Uh, according to Nathan King and his inside sources, uh, he is convinced. And after reading this article by Nathan King, uh, I am convinced that uh, our starting quarterback should be. None other than Mr. Zach Calzano. Yeah. Um, I, I think we all kind of figured that was going to end up being the result, um, that Calzano was going to be the best option for uh, the Tigers moving forward, um, especially if TJ didn't improve his accuracy um, in the pocket. So, yeah. Well, what I've read from this article, I'll just uh, summarize it. It's really well written by Nathan King. Uh, apparently, uh, he has been coached um, by Guru in uh, training uh, quarterbacks since age 11 by Mr. Ray Isaac. Um, are you aware of his name? Yes, I am. Okay. And he describes uh, Mr. Calzada as very cerebral. And he's been uh, practicing with him or training him uh, using called the 50, uh, the 50 uh, game rule or something in which he does nothing but uh, go repetitively in 50 types of you know, uh, uh, throws and uh, different types of attacks. And he says uh, he's getting so good at this. Says when he makes a mistake, he knows exactly what the mistake was and how to correct it during the game. It's incredibly important. That's what I like yeah. to hear. Here's something more to me. Uh, his scratch it. Uh, his father's name is Hector. Said he's been impressed by 11 of our receivers and tight ends have been showing up almost daily to practice with Mr. Zach Calzada. Now, why is that to me impressive? Because he also mentioned that that did not happen when he was at A&M. That apparently it was almost a struggle to get wide receivers to be seen practicing with Zach Calzada. Were you guys aware of that? No, I mean, uh, we didn't have an eye on Texas A&M and, and hadn't necessarily heard anything like that before. But, uh, yeah, great great job by these Auburn wide receivers of working out with the quarterbacks. It's so important that you get those reps down and yep. get to learn one another. And so, uh, yeah, kudos to those guys for putting in the extra work, the extra hours, and hopefully it pays off come fall. Well, according to Nathan Keeney, apparently this is happening maybe, maybe not. Uh, but it seems like he's intimating that it was happening more often with Zach than maybe the other quarterbacks. He says this, uh, to me, he said, is a sign that he has some strong leadership qualities and our wide receivers are wanting to do a lot of extra practice time with him. So, anyway, that's the take I got from Nathan King, but you're welcome to read uh, the entire article. It has a little bit of information. It's entitled, A Ruthless Summer for New Auburn Quarterback Zach Calzada. All right, moving on, guys. 
about our chances for this upcoming You know, I told you I was kind of in a less you know, enthusiastic mode than I have been for quite some time coming up football season. So I want you guys to please give me some reasons to be pumped up. And one of them might be this one. It's uh, the blue chip ratio that Auburn uh, has apparently earned. Have you seen uh, that article? I, have, I, have, I know the story that comes out annually, but I have not seen the article recently, Steve. This is by Nathan King. It was done on the 13th. It says Auburn earns final spot in recruiting success metric. We're the final team that makes it into the blue chip ratio of 15 teams. Okay. You know the, the top three are, you know, the usual suspects, right? I would imagine so, yeah. Alabama's up there. Texas A&M's yep. got to be up there. Yeah, but the top three are Georgia. Alabama at 89%. Ohio State, 80 77% Georgia. Now, here's the ones that intrigue me. And they're in this blue chip ratio that haven't done squat, but should have done better. <laughs> Texas is at 68%. Yeah, they're always going to recruit. Now they got to figure out how to get those guys uh, to perform well on Saturdays, and, and maybe we'll see Steve Sarkeesian take another step forward this season. There's not a team that hasn't done anything in terms of national championship contenders. Florida, there's 60%. Yeah. Big name. Penn State hasn't done anything. They're 55%. Miami, we're 54%. We're the final team that's in there. Yeah. But according to this ranking, it says we are one of the 15 teams that have the, I guess, and this is over the past four classes, have the talent to be in the national championship uh, conversation. Uh, I'm surprised to see us uh, to be in the top 15. Are you guys surprised by that? I think Auburn's done a really good job over the years in recruiting. It's yeah. not where we need to be right now, of course, uh, but uh, and it's got to pick up as you move forward into the seasons here. But we've talked about where they've stood in these metrics over the past few seasons. So uh, I think it's solid that Auburn's there, and hopefully they can move up. They're right now 15 of uh, the last spot in, so hopefully they can move up, you know, 12, 10, uh, whatever spot that may be, we'll see how they can improve their recruiting over the next few weeks and months. And, guys, let's segue real quickly into this. Have you seen Philip Marshall's article that says, Inside Auburn's growing NIL program, and, you know, I've been wondering a lot of people, uh, podcasts and bloggers have been uh, saying the same, that we don't seem to be doing enough. That yeah. you know, well, I saw his headline. So I did not get a chance to read the article. Not so fast, my friends. But according to Philip Marshall's uh, conversation with who? Uh, Executive Associate Athletic Director Rich McGlynn. He says that we at we are at or near the top of the SEC. All right. That his the average dollar figure for NIL deals across college athletics, he says, is three thousand dollars. At Auburn is five thousand. And here's a quote from Mr. McGlynn. I can tell you our kids have made, hold on, more money than just anybody else in the SEC. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Are, are you are you surprised by that comment? I sure am. I mean, I think Auburn has a lot of money that you know they can kind of funnel into and give to these players, and however the sponsorships work out. I mean, we all know that. I mean, I think us in the Auburn community know that as well. Maybe others outside of it don't know, but I'm I'm not too surprised by that, honestly. Well, I am when I remember recall last year that Mr. Bryce Jones was being lauded by, uh, I mean, Bryce Young was being lauded by uh, Nick Saban as having made a uh, considerable amount of money, and it wasn't in the thousands. It was almost close to a million, wasn't it? Yes, that's, that's what was said. Yeah, that's why I was kind of taken aback when this McGlynn quote was that uh, I can tell you our kids have made more money 
than about any, anybody else in the SEC. I said, wow, less than a uh, real secret then. So uh, I just thought I'd bring that to your attention. All right, more importantly, guys, I have not had a chance to listen to the most recent podcast. So how are the Thunder Chickens doing? <laughs> Incredible question. Not great. Um, we, we've had better days. Um, I don't. Days. I don't know that we've actually had better days. These are our best of days, and yet it's still uh, a little bit coming up short. We're zero and six on the season, Steve. But we're playing, but we're playing games, way better than we man. have um, over the past year. So, so hopefully that close, for we. How close have the have the losses been? Our 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 closest loss has been ten runs. We we need to be uh we we need Ouch. to pick it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, Ouch. but we're in okay. games. It's 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 so crazy because we. We'll be in games, and then there will be one inning where we give up like seven runs, and that's what's going to do us in. Um, but you thank know, you for we, asking, yeah, though, Steve. We, that's I mean, the important news. Yeah, we, we can. Well, improve. I, I, I'm hoping that you guys, you know, are making some progress. Do you need to make some trades? <laughs> we need to make something happen. Yeah, that's for sure. We just need to limit those big that 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 one big inning that we give up. If we can just limit that, that would we'll be do okay. Big wonders for us. Well, I mean, is it a salary cap issue? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> we got to look like into that. it. If we knew, I think we'd be winning by now. If we knew the issue, we'd have figured it out. Okay, all right. Well, with that said, guys, I wanted to, on humor's note, uh, I sure hope uh, you can get uh, our three uh, uh, Auburn players uh, uh, either on the on show, the show. Yeah. Yeah, for, for next week's media days, because I need to be pumped up. And I want to hear Mr. Tank Bigsby. I want to hear Derek Hall say, you know, they're, they're, we're going to kick everybody's butt, you know. Yeah, uh, for sure. Whatever. All right, with that said, guys, uh, thank you again for letting me ramble as much as I did. My normal time is way up. Have a great I weekend. Hey, fantastic, safe weekend. And I can't wait to hear all of your interviews and guests that you're going to have on next week. I look forward to it. So until next time. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. That's War our good Eagle. power. Tyron Ward and Steve joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-3401. Let's go to Mobile. Felix has called into the program. Felix, talk to us. How are you? What's going on? War Eagle, guys. War, War Eagle, Eagle, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Media days is right around the bend. And, uh, I understand Monday starts it off, and then, but we're at the last. Why is Auburn last all the time? It's just a tradition. I mean, we've kind of gotten used to it that Auburn's going to be right. one of the, the schools that goes on Thursday. So I don't know why exactly that is, but I'll tell you what we've been uh, we've been used to this routine by now. They know that. Look, so um, I got a couple of questions and a couple a couple of situations I want to talk about. Okay, go one, for it. All right, one. Uh, how do you feel about this this guy from Dallas coming in, a recruiter? Uh, the recruiting department. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what is an official title. Kind of like a general manager spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's. It I think it's great. Ahead. I think we're seeing so many um, college athletic programs across the country in your big sports try and put a position like this together where you can have somebody that's focused on your recruiting efforts, focused on how the NIL opportunities are going to factor into your program. So when you're talking about someone who's been at the NFL level before, I think it only strengthens what your team is doing. So I am, uh, right. I'm, I'm thrilled to see how this plays out for Auburn. Right, exactly. I mean, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, I think that is a great move by Harson. And he, he like, like he, we know, began the, his, uh, you know, his tenure, he was, te- you know, he was letting people know, you know, like the, how he was selecting a few people. Uh, it looked like, it kind of looked like the, the drafts, you know, when he was doing the picks and stuff. Now he's really letting them know that he's serious about the NFL. He's trying to serious no about the next level, you know, and I, 
that's confidence, man. That, that is that is confident. I mean, his hires now and everything. I I think people's trying to come around, you know, and that that uh that facade he has were you know well, they what they what they thought that was he was presenting. Well, actually, he was, but kind of like a real standoffish kind of fella, you know. He wasn't really a kind of a he wasn't really into the social thing. But now he's come around and you know he. He understands his mistakes, and I believe, you know, I believe, you know, he, he's, you know, we, we as fans and and him as the coach, you know, we you know we understand each other now. I think a little more than than we did back in the first, you know, the first year. I think, I think uh, everybody's starting to realize what he really and truly, he's he's game, right? He's, he's really in this in, in, in this thing for the long haul, you know. And I think that uh, this other hire he has, uh, there's a, there's a new another guy he just hired. I'm not sure if we're kind of what, what was that? It was, it was another fellow. Anyway, um, Key Key Scott is from from uh, LSU. That Joker right there. I seen some of his uh, his his uh, like clips. I believe he's gonna be something special. He might not start, but I tell you what, he's gonna he's gonna make he's gonna make something something happen on the field. No, for sure, for sure. Auburn's got a couple of uh, impact players. Coy Moore, the wide receiver, over from LSU this season. I think he's gonna be. Uh, outstanding yeah. for the Tigers too. Yeah, we 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 got we uh, com- accumulated a few of them. I, I think the I think the, the the receiver room is starting to kind of kind of fill up a little bit. Not where we want it to be, but hey, it's getting there. You know, we we still got a long ways to go. We, One step at a time. Right, we still got a long ways to go, man. I I think we you know until signing day, until the official, you know, the last one is that's that's it. I think I think a lot of this has to do with. Some of it with that uh, that uh, negative kind of thing with Harson, you know, going. To, they're saying that he's on hot seat and stuff like that. I, I you know, yeah and no. I, if he doesn't give a good turnout this year, like like a, a good, you know, uh, even if it's seven, you know, even if he got seven wins, they're good seven wins. You know what I mean? A good hard, and you could have had eight, you know, but. I, I believe that if he was in the game, he's in the games all of the games. I believe that, you know, I, uh, even the ones that want him out, I think that you know, uh, they're going to have to look at him. You know, they really, you know, because I mean, this, this guy is really trying to build a program that's worth worth you know fighting for, man. I'm, I mean, I, I feel in my Amen. heart, he's, he, he's he's ready, man. He's, he's gun ho for it. Amen. The, the, the guys like him. The what he's, what he's chosen, his guys that he's brought Preach. in. Now that now there now that's the team that you know we need you know discipline. They come to they come to work. You know they they you know with their pencils down they're both ready. You know and they, and all of them say the same thing. No, you know I, I love Coach Harson. I mean that's 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 what you need. That's what you need. You know discipline. You gotta have discipline. You got you got to have discipline. Otherwise, you know you're gonna run them up. And and I hate to say this, I love Gus. I love Gus with all my heart. I really do, man. I mean, you know, he brought us a natty, man. He not not just because of that. He's a, he's just a, he's just a good coach. I mean, he really and truly is. It's just I think he wanted to be friends than a coach at the end. You know, it was just too much of the friendship stuff and not enough the coach stuff. That's that's my belief, and maybe I might be wrong about that, but that's what I seen, and that's just my opinion. And but anyway, I I um. I'm really amped up. I'm really, really, really amped up to see this team go at it, man. We can I, tell. I, you know, I, yeah, and you know, <laughs> I really, yeah, I really am. I really amped up about this, man. I'm, and I'm so, so 
so happy to uh, y'all gonna go to I'm sure he's gonna be down there at the media day. All sure, four right? days we're gonna do the show live from Radio Row. We'll be there, brother. That's awesome, man. Well I'll call in then then. All right, can't wait. We'll talk to you then. Okay, Felix? All right, War Eagle. War Eagle. War That's Eagle. our pal Felix from Mobile joining us here on Sports Call. It's gonna be fun next week in Atlanta at SEC Media Days. What we need to do right now is take a commercial break. When we come back, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network joins our program. We're going to talk about the Braves. Three more games for them against the Washington Nationals. Big win for the club last night. That's coming up next right here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ Jackson with Ryan LeVoy and Brooks Childress inside our studios. And on this Friday, we are so thrilled to go back to our phone lines. And joining us is our good pal Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, as he does on Fridays. Kevin, thanks for the time. How's your week been? How are you, man? You know what? I'm sitting by the pool. It's uh, it's a nice, warm summer afternoon. Uh, it doesn't get much better than trying to tire these kids out so I can squeeze it in that before I have to go to work later on today. But doing well, fellas, uh, enjoying the summer and enjoying the way this team's been playing here over the last few, uh, well, I guess, month and a half or so, going back to early June. Without a doubt, what a run this team has been on, and it's been so much fun to watch them ever since June 1st. We look at Atlanta. Uh, here they are with the series against the Washington Nationals before the All-Star break uh, comes up. So, uh, uh, the Braves over the past few weeks since June 1st, again, just dominant play from Atlanta. And it's been a matter of so many different people contributing for the Braves, Kevin. Yeah, it really has. You know, top to bottom in your lineup, everybody's had a part in, in what they've done here uh, over, you know, really since the start of June. You've got uh, the guys at the top of the lineup with Ronald being back in there every single day and Dansby an all-star. That's been unbelievable to see. Matt Olson has been an extra base hit machine, and now you're starting to see the power numbers uh, starting to pick up for Matt. So that's been encouraging. You know, Austin Riley, a guy who should be an all-star. How he is not an all-star, I have no idea. It's an absolute crime. And then, you know, you look at towards the bottom of the lineup uh, with, uh, you know, guys like Michael Harris II, a guy who I, don't, I was uh, frankly shocked when the Braves brought him up this year. I didn't think there was any chance we would see him, uh, you know, given the fact that uh, Alex Anthopoulos likes to give these guys extra time and extra seasoning in the minors. So your offense has been doing it. Your pitching staff's been great. Kyle Wright, 11-4 and four with a sub-3 ERA at the All-Star break. I mean, are you kidding me with what he's done? Uh, Spencer Strider really helping solidify the rotation. So, uh, you know, your bullpen's been there for you all year. Uh, you're catching the ball defensively. It's just been uh, really good team baseball here. A big reason why that they've cut that deficit from 10.5 down to 2.5 entering play here tonight. And Kevin, this time of year, we always start to look at the uh, the transactions, and we understand the trade deadline is coming up in two and a half, three weeks or so. My question is not exactly about that, but but about the Braves making an acquisition 
uh, just a few days ago, getting Robinson Cano. And, of course, Robinson Cano nearing the end of his career, as Ron Washington noted, but but Wash was very complimentary of him and said that he was willing to work. And, of course, we've heard that Cano will primarily play second base against right-handers, at least while Ozzie Albies continues to be injured. What are the, Bra- what are the Braves expecting to get out of Cano, and do you think he can plug this gap until Albies gets back? You know, honestly, I don't know if there's really any expectation. It's a classic zero-risk, high-reward type maneuver for the Braves where you know, he's getting paid $24 million from the Mets not to play there. And if it doesn't work out in Atlanta, you're paying him a prorated portion of the minimum, about, what, $3,200 a day to be part of your team. So if it doesn't work out, you cut your losses and move on. And so really, you've got nothing to lose. I think the one thing that really stood out to me was at 39 years old, guys, He's at the end of his career. You, you just mentioned that. But he went to AAA, and he worked hard in El Paso when he was with San Diego. And I think that shows you that this is not about the money. This is about winning. This is about trying to uh, make one last uh, run at a, at a World Series title, and he's got a chance to do that here in Atlanta. So I, I like the work ethic. I like the attitude. Um, I think he's still got a little left in the tank. And, again, three weeks from now, if, if he shows that he doesn't have much left, then you cut your loss and you move on. And it doesn't really cost you anything when you think about – uh, the price of free agents and the price of guys that have the back of a baseball card like a Robbie Cano. So I like the move. I think it's a, it's a good one for this team. So far, so good. Defensively, he's been fine. Uh, offensively, you know, he hasn't given you a ton. But, again, I, I'm not needing a ton when I have the rest of this lineup rolling the way it is. So uh, I'm, I think he's a good guy to have here. He's a good role model in the clubhouse. And I, I think so far, so good from what we've seen from, again, a 39-year-old guy who's accomplished as much as he has. Um, I, I like what we've seen so far. Kevin, I want to bounce off that last question and go right to uh, Cano's at second for Albies. What is the timetable right now for Albies' return? Is it going to be soon, sooner rather than later, or are we going to wait another about month to see him? And then also with the injury updates, what's the situation with Mike Soroka looking like? You know, I think that uh, probably mid to late August and probably the latter end of that is more realistic than when we would see, uh, you know, Ozzy come back. Uh, look, it's, it's, a, it's a broken foot. I mean, it's a, it's a big injury. So you want to make sure he is healed and healthy when he does come back and give him plenty of time to get his timing back after missing a few months. So uh, I would think probably towards the, the second half of August is when you would see him. Uh, as far as Mike Soroka, it does sound like he'll start a rehab, an official rehab assignment here pretty soon in the minors um, as uh, he's been down at the complex for about a month now in Northport. Uh, doing all the drills and all the side sessions and all the work. You know, he did have a little bit of a setback, minor, minor setback, uh, as he was hit by a comebacker in the knee. That just shut him down for a couple of days. Good news was it wasn't related to the Achilles or anything else he's recovering from. So not a major issue whatsoever. So um, I do expect to get word that he begins an official rehab assignment soon. And between Soroka and Kirby Yates, you're going to get two really good arms back. Um, you know, later in August for the second, you know, second half run and a push into September. So uh, that'll be huge to have him back. Now, look, is he going to be the Mike Soroka he was three years ago? I doubt it. Uh, but can he be a guy that's 75, 80% of that guy? Absolutely. And if that's what you get, boy, plugging him into a fifth spot in a rotation uh, feels pretty good uh, at this point in the season. Kevin, you mentioned earlier you didn't expect Michael Harris to be called up this year, but he did get called up. He's been phenomenal uh, in this playing time for the Braves. Looking at the minor leagues, is there another name down there that you think that the Braves could call up before the end of the season that could have an impact going down the stretch? You know what? Not not really um, at this point. You know, I know a lot of folks were wondering about Drew Waters, and then he gets traded. You know, last week, so obviously you crossed him off that list. Um, you know, maybe a pitcher or two, um, you know, potentially a Kyle Muller, a Bryce Elder, somebody like that. 
uh, we could see down the stretch. That would be the only one. I don't expect any real surprises, honestly. Um, you know, you've seen a guy like Freddie Tarnock move up from double uh, A AA to triple A. He's an exciting young arm. I don't expect to see him this year, but he could very well compete for a spot next year uh, going into spring training. So I think that, that your roster is, is pretty well set. Uh, you might make a couple of uh, ancillary moves, you know, between now and the deadline. Uh, again, they could still add a veteran starter if they wanted to. Um, they certainly could could use that with Spencer Strider's innings uh, adding up very quickly. So, you know, ultimately, I don't think the shopping list is nearly as long or as extensive as it's been. Uh, see, last year when Alex made, what, five deals at the deadline last season, I don't expect that flurry of activity, again, because your roster's in pretty good shape. And, again, you do have some reinforcements on the way. Uh, so some of those moves will be internal moves you'll make. Uh, to, uh, to to help strengthen your roster uh, come August 1. Our guest is Kevin McCampin with the Braves Radio Network. Braves coverage heard here in Auburn, AM 1230 WAUD, as the Braves again continuing a four-game series with the Washington Nationals prior to the All-Star break. We mentioned it a moment ago, but the trade deadline is also nearing, and 365 days ago today, the Atlanta Braves acquired Jock Peterson. What a move it was for the club en route to the 2021 World Series. Are there any deadline moves that you think Atlanta could benefit from this year, Kevin? Yeah, you know, I think, again, just a veteran starter could be, could be you know, beneficial. Again, I don't know if you're really relying on Mike Soroka to be, a, you know, a, uh, a big-time part of your rotation down the stretch and in the playoffs. Uh, if anything, you know, maybe he can help you in the bullpen as you ease his way back in. So I think veteran starters still at the top of the list. You know, maybe a bat off the bench, but at the end of the day, you don't really use your bench like you used to in a non-DH world. So I don't think that's as high of a priority as it would have been in years past either. So, um, again, I, I think starter, you know, pitching, you can never have enough pitching. We all know that. And so if they're able to find a guy that makes sense, maybe another very low-risk, high-reward type guy um, that, you know, if it doesn't work out, you cut your losses and move on, I can see that being a scenario. But I don't think it's, a, you know, a front-line guy. I think it's probably more of a 3, 4, or 5 guy to help you round things out. That's probably top of the list. And, again, I don't think it's a very extensive shopping list when it comes to uh, what they want to do between now and August 2nd. And, Kevin, with the Braves getting five All-Stars, unfortunately the talk around Braves country feels about more who didn't make it in the third baseman, Austin Riley, who, of course, second in the National League in home runs, fourth overall in home runs. I was reading something the other day that reminded us that I believe that Terry Pendleton in 91 and Chipper Jones in 99 did not make the All-Star team, yet went on to win National League MVP. And I wonder, Kevin, how possible is it that uh, history might repeat itself this year? Well, I still think it's a crime, A, that he got voted seven in the MVP balloting last year. I think that was absolutely a joke. And then for him not to be an all-star this year, I mean, what he's done, the numbers have been terrific. And I think a lot of folks said, well, what's he going to do to build off of last year? Well, all he's done is eclipse and surpass all of his paces from where he was this time last year to where he is this time this season. So Austin's having a great year. I think he all know he knows that we all believe he's an all-star, whether he gets that notoriety or not. It doesn't sound like he will. Uh, you know, he deserves it. I mean, I don't know what more he has to do. Uh, look, he's not the flashy guy that shows up with all the, you know, the big celebrations and home run trots and things like that. He just goes in and does his job day in and day out. And by the way, plays a really darn good brand of third base as well. But I don't think that area of his game gets enough credit as well. But, you know, again, I think we all know he's an all-star. I think we all know he should be right up there in the top two or three in, in voting in the MVP. Uh, I may have had one too many bourbons this past offseason and sent him a message and told him as much that it was a crime that he, that he finished as low as he did. Uh, I think he uh, had a good laugh about that <laughs> one uh, during, 
during the offseason. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all know how special he is. Uh, his teammates know how much he means to, to his team. And, again, they're winning. They're coming off a World Series title, and they're, they're primed to make another deep run here as well. So I think that probably means more than anything to him right now. Kevin, we've asked several questions uh, so far today about and it's kind of been around how busy the front office is. You're gearing up for a second half run here with the All-Star break coming up. You're you're getting ready for the transaction, the trade deadline at the end of the month. You've also got the MLB draft coming up starting this Sunday that uh, Major League Baseball has moved to around All-Star week. What do you think the Braves are are looking to do with those first few picks of the MLB draft? I know it's not going to be you know this immediate impact because that, that's how the MLB draft works. It's not like any other draft. But what, what do you think the Braves do with these first few picks? I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go the pitching route again. I mean, I think you look at historically what they've done, a uh, track record of guys where they like to go high school pitching where there's not the uh, you know the wear and tear on the arm. Uh, position player-wise, I would think they would look the college route. Uh, but, again, I think that when you're, you're talking about trying to restock a farm system, look at what they did under the previous regime. It was pitching, 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 and even more pitching. And some of those guys here are having an impact at the major league level right now. So I think ultimately you look the pitching route, you try to restock. You know, the Braves farm system was ranked, you know, two, three, four for a number of years in a row. Now they're kind of middle of the pack. Big reason why a lot of those guys have graduated and are here now contributing at the big league level. So I think ultimately trying to find pitching to, to restock that system would be really important come the uh, come the draft this week. And Kevin, I wanted to circle to back to the All Star Weekend festivities or All Star Week festivities because of course you know, five Braves are there, but also Ronald Acuna Jr. participating in the Home Run Derby, and also one of your your thoughts on not only Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera getting to play in the All-Star game, which I think is a great idea, but also Albert Pujols participating in the home run derby. I don't expect him uh, to to win it, but uh, I, I think it's a really cool thing done by Major League Baseball. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's cool. Look, I, I don't know how well, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank as far as home runs are concerned. Uh, I don't know what kind of showing he'll have. Look, he did play in L.A. last year and had a, a pretty decent run with the Dodgers uh, in the second half of the season. So, you know, maybe that gets him a little more fired up. But, yeah, it, it is kind of cool to see those kinds of legends, especially Pujols going out this year. I wonder what Miguel Cabrera is thinking, though. He's like, I got two years left on my deal, guys. Like, I, I'm not ready to hang him up just yet. I'm not <laughs> retired. And it's the old man Pujols over here. And, look, I'll say this. I don't necessarily know if I believe that Pujols is actually going to retire at the end of the year. I'm just throwing it out there, guys. If he gets six or seven more homers between now and the end of the year, he's sitting on 690-ish going into the offseason. Well, that 700 number is a pretty special number. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he wanted to stick around, maybe come back for at least the first half of next year. Now, again, who's going to want him? Who's going to have a roster spot for him? We know how uh, you know precious roster spots are now uh, with, with uh, 26-man rosters. You know, would a team want to do it? Would the Cardinals have room for him? I don't know that. Uh, but I do think that if he's that close, man, I got a funny feeling thinking he still walks away, uh, you know, at 42 years old going on 43. Uh, but, yeah, I do think it's kind of cool to, to see those guys get recognized. They'll do a nice ceremony. MLB will, I'm sure, have tribute videos for, for especially Pujols, who at least says he's going out after this year. But, again, I'll, I'm at the point where I'll believe it when I see it right now. Should, should be really interesting. It is always something when players retire just shy of a milestone and you're sitting there thinking, yeah. why not chase after it for one more good run? All right, let's end with this. How are you spending your all-star break, Kevin? You know what? Uh, me and the fam, we're going to load things up. We're going to go down to St. Simon's Island. We're going to spend uh, four days at the beach uh you know my son is so neglected where you know he doesn't ever get the chance to go on family vacations <laughs> in the summer because all of his friends are always out of town they're at the beach and dad's always working so i said let's load up the car let's go to the beach for a couple of days 
Uh, we'll enjoy some time there, and then we'll get back at it. And guys, what, what a uh, what a treat it'll be a week from today when we do come back from the break. The Anaheim Angels will be here at Truist Park. So Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and company, it'll be a lot of fun. But we'll enjoy uh, four days of, of peace and quiet, or I guess at least much as much peace and quiet as you can get when you have a 7-year-old and nearly 2-year-old. So hopefully a little bit of relaxing, hopefully uh, some, some cold beers consumed, and uh, we'll We'll enjoy some downtime and get right back at it a week from today. Outstanding. Well-deserved, of course. The McAlpin family, a, a beach trip. That's always great. Tell us who to be on the lookout for with these last three games before the All-Star break against the Nationals. Who's your pick this have, week, Kevin? Have your pick offensively for this team, uh, for the Braves, because this Nationals team stinks out loud. These guys are <laughs> terrible. Uh, Corbin tonight, the lefty. You know what? I'm going to look at – you know what? I'm going to go cheap and easy. Can I Can I go cheap and easy? Yeah. Give me Austin Riley to have a big weekend. I think he's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that he's not an all-star. Now, look, he's a new dad, so he gets some time with his baby. Uh, he told me the other day his wife's not totally bummed uh, that she'll have a couple of uh, extra you know, set of hands around the house while, the, while he's not going to the all-star game. But I think Austin has a big night, and I think he starts it tonight against the lefty Patrick Corbin. Perfect. Kevin, thanks for the time. We'll talk again next week, okay? All right, fellas. Appreciate it. That's our pal Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network. He's joining us here on Sports Call today. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. All right, final segment of the second hour of Sports Call here today. My name is J.J. Jackson. I've got Cam Berry and Ryan LaVoy inside the studio with me right now. And we just heard from Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network talking about a variety of different topics. In that conversation alone, we're mentioning the recent week of play for Atlanta. Robinson Cano is now a member of your Atlanta Braves. All-Star Week is next week for the Braves. Ronald Acuna Jr., participating in the home run derby the trade deadline is right around the corner i mean it is a busy busy time of year in major league baseball it's crazy uh, and i really enjoyed that chat that we had just a moment ago with kevin mcalpin yeah i'm looking forward to, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing acuna hit some home runs in the home run derby yeah. just because we haven't gotten to see him hit many in play this year <laughs> um, Smack he's uh you know had pretty good batting average throughout is running uh, a lot on the bases but uh, we've not seen him have that power stroke too often yet. So uh, he's also in the most difficult matchup because he's got to face Pete Alonzo, who, of course, yeah. has won this two years in a row. So, uh, for being honest, Acuna is probably one and done. But just want to see him in there. And uh, I'm excited to see Pujols in there, too. Pujols is probably also one and done, but I, I don't care. I want to see it. Um, and I think, regardless on if they retire or not, Pujols and Cabrera being in the All-Star game, you know, that's something the NBA did, has started doing too. I remember Kobe's last year, he was an All-Star. Yeah, uh, the big-time veterans kind of, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the kind of the legends of the sport. And so, you know, with Pujols, you know, nearing 700 home runs, he's one of the great hitters of all time. And he, even Cabrera, 
as a complete hitter. You know, he, as Kevin mentioned, still has two more years on his deal. And he's hitting about 290, 295 this year. He just doesn't have the power he used to have. So Cabrera could foreseeable continue to play. But Pujols playing and finding a roster spot next year seems far-fetched at the moment. But regardless, I, I'm excited about the All-Star Weekend. Or all, I keep saying All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend. Um, yeah, there's going to be a great Braves representation again. And the Home Run Derby will be a lot of fun. And that's something that has not waned uh, in the years uh, even though that you know they've they've changed the system a couple of times and it still provides a lot of excitement. Shout out to the Braves; they got me a monthly prediction point. That's right. Uh, that could change. It However, could change. as we've talked about, if Austin Riley is added <sighs> to an All Star roster, then we did have a couple of people that said six, right. and then everybody that made the five prediction uh, would, would then be incorrect because <sighs> those guys get credit for going to the All Star game, Man. whether you're a late ad or not. What do I want? You get to be uh, you get to be added. So Austin five Riley. Braves currently are an All Star. Could go up to six. We shall see. Here's yeah. your home run derby participants: Pete Alonso, Kyle Schwarber, Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, Corey Seager, Julio Rodriguez, Jose Ramirez, and Albert Pujols. Pete Alonso plus two fifteen odds. He's the favorite to win the event. Kyle Schwarber, second-best odds at plus 320. And then a tie for the third-best odds between Ronald Acuna Jr. and Juan Soto at plus 600. The longest odds to win the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby is Albert Pujols at plus 1,900. Hammer it. There's a little rundown of uh, some yeah, odds. He's got to be. He's old. He's old. He's it old. would be pretty storybook it if he wild. was able to uh, to win the home run derby. That'd be pretty epic. I'd love to see Acuna get the job done, though. Me too. And then I'll admit, we haven't really seen a guy win the home run derby three, three consecutive row, years. Cool That'd Pete. be pretty yeah, crazy, too, should that happen. I think it's going to be a lot of intrigue uh, to watch next week with Major League Baseball's home run derby all right we've reached the end of the second hour of our show alongside brooks childress ryan the boy and cam Berry. my name is jj jackson two hours in the books and we're rolling Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Cam Berry, Ryan Lavoy, and Brooks Childress. We hope that everyone is doing well on this Friday. Today is July 15th, 2022. It's our last hour 
here in our studios on South College Street for a little while. That's because Monday through Thursday of next week we'll be broadcasting live from Radio Row at SEC Media Days there in Atlanta, Georgia at the College Football Hall of Fame. All right, we want to chat with Wes Flanagan. That's an assistant coach for Auburn men's basketball coming up here in about 10 minutes or so about uh, the offseason for the Tigers and more. Got a chance to chat with him earlier this morning, recorded it, and we'll air it for you here in just a matter of moments on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We really think that you'll enjoy that conversation. What we also need to do today, we've yet to do it, let's celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. You better believe it. It is time for today's birthdays in sports here today on July 15th, 2022. Derek Favors is turning 31 years old, a current power forward for the Oklahoma City Thunder, selected third overall in the 2010 NBA draft by the New Jersey Nets out of Georgia Tech. 2011 NBA All-Rookie Second Team also played for the Jazz and Pelicans at Georgia Tech. He was the 2010 ACC Rookie of the Year. Derek Favors is 31 years old today. Tobias Harris is 30 years old, a current power forward for the Philadelphia 76ers, selected 19th overall in the 2011 NBA Draft by the Charlotte Bobcats out of Tennessee, but immediately traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Also played in his career for the Magic Pistons and Clippers. Tobias Harris played for Bruce Pearl at Tennessee, and he is turning 30 years old. Before Jabari Smith, Bruce Pearl would tell you, Tobias Harris had the most NBA talent of anybody he had coached. Did I steal your talking point? Sure did. I'm really sorry. Oh, well. I'm really sorry. The only other thing I was going to say is you said Magic and Pistons very close together, so it made it sound like they're the Magic Pistons. Instead of just the Pistons. That was the only other thing I was going to say. That's clever. I like that. Let's make that, uh, instead of Thunder Chickens next year, maybe Any, Anytime the Pistons win a close game, they're the Magic Pistons. <laughs> yeah. They're Magic Pistons. I like it. Uh, and then one more basketball birthday for you today. Damian Lillard is 32, a current point guard for the Portland Trailblazers. Selected sixth overall in the 2012 NBA Draft by the Trailblazers out of Weber State. Six-time All-Star. 2018 All-NBA First Team, four-time All-NBA Second Team. He was a member of the NBA's 75th anniversary team. Damian Lillard, that guy, that dude, is turning 32 years old today. Shout out to him. Happy birthday to Damian Lillard. That is a look at our birthdays in sports here on July 15th. That was a uh, NBA birthday day. No kidding. Um, and, of course, Lillard just got a two-year, $120 million extension Paid. the other day as well. So Not too shabby. make over $60 million in a year in about four or five years from now. Whew. Paid. That's uh, that's good money there for, for Mr. Lillard himself. Yeah, our birthdays in sports here today on July 15th. Again, that's Derek Favors turning 31. Tobias Harris is 30. Damian Lillard is 32. We're getting set for SEC Media Days coming up next week. All-Star Week next week as well, including Monday night. We will have the 2022 Home Run Derby. We talked about it just a little bit ago. Who's in the Home Run Derby field? Here we go. Tonight, we don't have a script, but we got a fantastic field of young, slugging superstars. We welcome you all to the T-Mobile Home Run Derby. Time now for introductions. I 
high fly ball to straightaway center field. Going back is Newt Bar. It is long gone. Dead center field for Kyle Schwarber, his 28th of the year. That was a massive shot, 420 feet, and then some. Albert hits it out to deep left. It is gone! Albert pulls. Right now, he's seeing the ball so well. This is vintage Albert right here. It's a sinker, it's in off the plate, and he's able to pull the hands in, get the barrel to it. The place goes nuts. Nice start here. Juan Soto. <laughs> An absolute moonshot to right. That ball was demolished. And I'm shocked that thing finally came down. Well, it stopped somewhere. 444 feet, 112 off the bat. And Juan Soto can do it to left field. He can do it to left center. He can do it to center. He can do it to right center off his face on the scoreboard. But that's the swing we're going to see a lot of. Deep. Taylor back on the track, looking up. Goodbye. Jose Ramirez with a two-run homer for Ramirez, his 17th home run of the season. He had not homered in his last 24 games, but he has busted loose. Seager hits one high in the air. Deep out to right field. That one is gone. That is a home run. That is Julio Rodriguez. A two-run shot. Hey, now for Julio. My goodness. Listen to these Mariner fans here in San Diego. This is fun. This is fun. I don't think you can hit a changeup any harder. Oh, brother, that was fabulous. 429 feet on the home run at 15. He slugs one to deep center field. Ortega back near the Ivy. It's out of here. Pete Alonso dead central for his 24th of the year. Two-run shot for Alonso to put the icing on the cake. This one even grander to the shrubbery. 2-2, and that is smoked. Deep left field, roaring through the sky, and out of the ballpark. A three-run home run for Ronald Acuna. Uh, if he was in between, I think he's recalibrated now. Absolutely. And after he hit it, and he knew it, he was kind of yelling at the ground, like, all right, finally. Booyah! Home run derby. 2022. That audio put together by uh, Brooks Monroe Childress. He's the GOAT. Find me a better producer in Sports Talk Radio. You're just not, so there don't even one. try. There ain't one. Incredible stuff. Thank and uh, does that not get you excited for next week's festivities? To watch some homers? Watch to do things that I cannot physically do? Dingers. Hit a baseball over a fence in any capacity other than with a controller in my hands? And even still, I'm not the best at that either. <laughs> Same. I mean... Damn, it's it's gonna be really what's Good gonna stuff, be Brooks. One of the my favorite um, uh, subplots of this is the opening round of uh, uh, Alonzo versus Acuna 
Because if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it Alonzo that eliminated Acuna his first time? And so they get to go back, and that, that was the second round of the, the home run derby. So now they get to meet in the first round, the defending champion, two-time defending champion, and Ronald Acuna get to go back uh, go back at it this year. Pretty darn awesome. Pretty darn awesome, that's for sure. I mean, Ryan, the guy's a legend. The man you're sitting beside in, in Brooks Monroe Childress. Did that not get you in a good mood just listening to that? Oh, absolutely. Brooks is great at what he does. We love that guy. We love him so the much. Goat, man. He is the GOAT. He is the GOAT, and we're fired he was up very for the excited MLB to do Home Run Derby. He was very excited to do that, too. Yeah. Could goat, you tell? GOAT mm-hmm. Childress. Yeah. I didn't even know if it was going to be used because that last year we did we did that same mix last year. Uh-huh. I'll admit, last year we we didn't the, – the All-Star Game Week and Media Days did not line up last year, so I got to do it on the Monday of it. And so I got a really good clip of Matt Vaskersian yelling about Shohei Otani and said, see you at the Home Run Derby. Right. Like, that's phenomenal. But we're still, you know, we're still a couple days away. So someone could hit a home run and we could get a better call. But I I wasn't sure that this was, we were going to use this because we were going into SEC Media Days week. But I just wanted to do it because it was so much fun putting together last year. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure people heard it because you're right. When we get to SEC Media Days on Monday, I don't know that we're going to have the opportunity for that to find the year time. But if it doesn't, it deserved to in some capacity. And so that's what we just had for folks right there. Watch the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby. Uh, We predicted how many home runs total would be hit in the event. We predicted who would hit the longest home run and more things in our, not who would, but how far the longest home run would be. Thank you for correcting me with one simple head race or whatever that gesture was there uh, by Ryan LaVoy. Uh, When we come back from this break, Wes Flanagan, the assistant men's basketball coach for your Auburn Tigers, is on Sports Call. Again, we recorded this conversation earlier today. It's one of the best interviews we've done in quite some time. We say that all the time. This time, I really mean it. You hear that conversation coming up next here on Sports Call. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Welcome back into Sports Call Auburn here on this Friday. J.J. Jackson inside the studios with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress here on South College Street. And on this fine Friday, man, are we thrilled to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our next guest, a good friend of the program, currently an assistant men's basketball coach for your Auburn Tigers, Wes Flanagan, kind enough to join us on the program. The last time we spoke with Coach Flanagan, it was when our show was celebrating its 25th birthday, and we recognized Wes Flanagan as one of our top 25 athletes over the last 25 years for the Auburn Tigers, and Coach Flanagan's back with us. How you doing today, Wes? I'm doing good, man. It's Friday, man. Happy Friday to everybody. Happy Friday, indeed. It's hard to complain on a Friday no matter what time of year it is. It's just that Friday feeling. It's a great feeling. Tell me this. Let's start here. What is the most exciting thing that you've done non-basketball-wise here this summer so far, Coach? I tell you what, the most exciting thing, man, I got I to gotta thank Coach Pearl for allowing me to do this, but... I was able to go home to Little Rock, Arkansas, 
and throw a surprise birthday party for my wife, man, for a 50th birthday during during, during a recruiting weekend. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it's the first recruiting weekend I've missed in a 25-year career. So I felt kind of awkward doing it. But, man, I was so glad, you know, after the event that I did it for my wife, man. It made her, it made her so, so happy. Uh, you know, family was around. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a great deal, great turnout. And, uh, you know, in our profession, man, at times, you know, we, 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 we neglect our families. Um, and so, you know, to be able to do that and Coach give me the opportunity to go home and do that, man, it was, it was unbelievable. What's also cool to hear in all of this is, as you mentioned, the industry that you're in, the profession that you've got as a college basketball coach, uh, but it, it holds true that the wife always wins. And so figuring out a way to uh, to celebrate the 50th birthday back there in Little Rock. I mean, that's got to be exciting. Tell us a little bit more about the weekend, Wes. What was that like to be back around friends and family uh, and celebrating your wife? Well, it, it was great, man. Obviously, we don't we don't get a, get a chance to go home much. We might go you know, once or twice a year. Uh, and, and we both have a lot of relatives there right there in Little Rock. And so, you know, we had a, uh, a party set up at downtown Marriott. It's a, it was at the top floor, you know, kind of a, you know, high sky rise yeah. building, probably about 24 floors. And, uh, you know, it was, it was it was a nice turnout, probably about, you know, 100, you know, of our family members there and friends. You know, we had people coming from all over the place, people that we've worked with. Um, but man, it was, it was great, man. Just to see everybody and, you know, have both sets of parents there and, you know, just the whole nine. So it was, it was good. And I actually, uh, I actually got her there and got her dressed by saying that it was my dad's hall of fame, uh, banquet. <laughs> uh, so, so the joke was kind of on him, uh, but hopefully he'll get a chance, man, to enjoy that before he, uh, before he leaves this earth yeah that, that's exciting that's outstanding there you mentioned it being a recruiting weekend and so uh to be away from that is obviously uh a little bit different for you first time in 25 years you said that you didn't have uh, a recruiting weekend take place in the summer we know how busy it is uh in the high school basketball landscape with the aau events that take place eybl tournaments peach jam is always an event that everybody's looking forward to but now there's this ncaa rule coach where every four years teams are granted this foreign tour opportunity to get to travel and play here you guys are getting set to go to israel at the first of august how much does that change the summer calendar for a college basketball coach when you do have this opportunity granted by the ncaa well i think i think the biggest thing is just the practices and so we we get an opportunity because of the foreign tour to have a few more practices and a, and a little bit more practice time this time of year um, you know, we had a great practice yesterday. Uh, obviously, we'll get back. We'll take off going to Augusta and, and doing some uh, summer evaluations on Wednesday. Our staff will be gone, you know, from Wednesday to Sunday. Uh, we'll come back and uh, have about three or four days to work with our team before we take off to Israel. But I think as much as the basketball part, you know, making this trip, I think it's going to be an unbelievable opportunity for our guys to go and develop, and not not just our guys, but you know, staff members, family members, whoever's going, just the whole collective group, you know, to be, to be able to go, be able to go to a part of the country uh, where you know maybe it's a once in a lifetime trip for most of us, and 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 maybe walk you know in the Holy Land and you know walk the same steps that you know our Lord and Savior has walked and. Uh, you know, learn about a different culture and, and, and what's really going on over there as opposed to what we may see being reported on television. 
we know how much Coach Pearl talks about this trip and what it means to him and his faith and to hear you speak on that as well. Wes, have you ever been to Israel before? I have not. I have not. I have not ever been across to the Mediterranean Sea. So this is going to be something a little different for me being 47 years old. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing a, a different culture and uh, drawing my own conclusions uh, to, to what's going on over there. And, Coach, when you talk about the the opportunity this is, also it's a great bonding experience for a team. But I, I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously with the landscape of college basketball and, and more roster turnover than ever before, um, this team will bring back more players than it did a year ago. And how does that affect how you kind of coach and teach throughout the summer? I, I imagine it makes it a little easier to, to have so many more guys uh, back on a team that was successful than it is to bring in seven, eight, nine new faces in one one season. <laughs> well, I'm sure if you ask those older guys right now in practice, man, they, they're a little bit bored. Uh, <laughs> simply because we have to start from day one, man, because we can't assume, you know, anything with the new guys, you know, that's coming in. And so, uh, you know, guys like Alan Flanagan, guys like, you know, Jalen Williams, you know, these guys have, have, have been through, you know, this process, you know, three years in a row. And so it could get a little bit redundant to them. Uh, but, you know, we've been leaning on them to kind of set the example for the rest of the guys. And, you know, I'm excited about our freshmen. I'm excited about our returners, you know, in recruiting. Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, Auburn basketball right now. You know, it's always about, you know, the next guys that's coming in. You know, the next guys that's coming in. You know, you want Trey Orr and, and Trey Donaldson and Chance Westry. You know, but let's let's not forget about, you know, those veterans. You know, they helped us win a championship last year and some of the sacrifices they had to make. A guy like Jalen Williams who started for us, you know, a whole season as a sophomore and uh, showed loyalty by remaining in the program when he could have transferred and played immediately this year. You know, showed loyalty, believed in us, believed in Auburn. Uh, he stayed here. You know, he got through a tough season last year, not playing as much. And all of these guys, man, they came here to be pros. They came here to, you know, have a great experience, and they came here to play. And so when a kid like that makes the type of sacrifice that he made, you know, I think, you know, we have to be grateful for that. And uh, I, I hope that, you know, everything that he came here for, uh, you know, comes true for him and he continues, you know, to, to show that he's a true Auburn man. Uh, and so, like, I, I, I really want to be – you know, thankful for all of those guys that, that returned this year because they didn't have Absolutely, Coach. And I, I wonder of all those guys that do are returning, is there one particular guy that you're riding a little bit harder? Maybe you want to see a certain skill develop that you believe they'll have? Or, or how do you kind of approach those older guys? Yeah, it's not one particular guy. It's all of them. Right? They all got things they need to improve on. Uh, you can go down the list, you know, with all those guys. You know, even though, you know, they've had a lot of success you know, you can get better each and every day. But, you know, our motto is, you know, every guy, if everybody guy gets, you know, 1% better each day, our team gets better. Um, and, and so every everybody has that same mindset in our program. And, man, I'm telling you, man, for, for guys like that, uh, you know, Jalen Williams, you know, let's, let's just you know, stick with him for right now. Uh, for guys like that to show how much, you know, they appreciate us, appreciate Auburn, appreciate their teammates, appreciate, you know, just this community and, 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 and have faith in us, man, you, you know, you, you, you owe it to them to try to make sure, man, that, 
you know, their experience as they finish, finish up, you know, maybe his last year. Obviously, he's got a COVID year if he wants to use that. Uh, but you want to make sure it's well worth it uh, for him to make those sacrifices for us. Coach, we're a couple weeks removed from the NBA draft. Jabari Smith being taken number three overall. Walker Kessler also taken in the first round. We're in the heart of NBA Summer League. I want to know how much – have you seen any of the Summer League action uh, so far? And what are your thoughts of the guys uh, playing out there? Man, I, I watch it every night. I can't say that I'm watching every minute. You know, we all get distracted with cell phones and phone calls, text messages, and even social media for a 47-year-old man like me. Uh, but I'm watching it every night. Uh, I'm, I'm just so proud, man, of, of, you know, the guys that we've had coming to our program and just be able to represent all of them. You know what I mean? Like for so long, you know, you could watch a summer league uh, a game or watch the NBA and, and there was nobody representing all of them. Now we got guys, you know, representing, you know, Auburn University, representing their families, guys like Sharif Cooper, Jabari Smith, uh, you know, JT Thor, who made a game-winning shot the other night. Uh, it just it just warms my heart, man, to see that we got guys that's, that's having their dreams come true. And our, our staff has been a huge part of that. Do you think it's fair to say that that motivates your current players on the roster, Wes, that they're probably doing the same thing? They get back to the dorms, they turn on the TV, they see all the summer league games being advertised, and there are Auburn players out there on the floor. I know your roster right now is filled with guys who hope to one day be playing in the association. Fair to say that that's motivating them too. I definitely think that's the case. I think I think because of what we built here, and it starts with Coach Pearl again with all the hard work, uh, that he's put into this thing. Uh, because of what we've built here, you're starting to see more and more people uh, feel like Auburn is a place where they can not only come here and get an education and have a great experience, but they can come here and they can compete for a championship, not just an SEC championship, but possibly a national championship. They can come here and they can have an opportunity to be an NBA player or go overseas and play for professionally. And so, you know, some of these things – are enticing these guys, you know, to, to at least pick up the phone and answer a phone call, at least have us come into their home, at least make these official visits now, whereas, you know, five, ten years ago, you know, maybe that wasn't such the case. And, Coach, I want to ask you kind of along the lines of the NBA draft process, obviously uh, Allen had a decision to make along those lines this year, and I just wonder from your perspective both as a coach and a father, what were those conversations like, and, and what kind of, uh, from your standpoint, you know, everything going going through that process, what that was like for you? It's, it's a difficult process. It's a difficult process for, for anybody. Um, I think anybody that thinks they know uh, what that process is without having to go through it, uh, you know, if they, if, they, if they think they know everything, you know, they're, they're completely wrong. And, and me being in a profession for as long as I have and, and now having a son that's that's going through that process, man, it's a lot that goes into it. You know, you got to think about, okay, what what is, what is his ceiling? You know, is is he a first round draft choice? Is he just a second round draft choice? Is he just a guy that's never going to be a, a, a draft a draftee? You know, is he going to be a two way? You know, it's a lot of things that go into it. You know, and I think the difficult part is deciding. Okay, you know, nowadays, man, you have to go when you're hot. You know, you got guys that's, you know, put their whole uh, life into basketball. Since they were, you know, five, six years old, they've been bouncing this basketball, and their whole dream has been about 
you know, maybe one day making it to the association. And and it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. As you see, like, we came back. Allen came back, made the decision to come back to Auburn and uh, put himself in a in a better position last year. And, and you know, he went through a freak accident where, you know, he, he you know he got injured. Um, and, and who knows if he'll ever get back to, you know, the NBA stock that he had at that particular point before he got injured. You know, that's something that you got to think about. Uh, you know, did he play that way last year? No, he didn't. Uh, but he had a chance, an opportunity to kind of reset this summer, uh, you know, go out there and compete in the G League combine. Uh, he worked out for some NBA franchises, and uh, we collected the information, and we made a decision. We won't know whether that was a good decision, uh, you know, until, you know, this time next year. Uh, but we made a decision. Uh, we, we trust that God has a plan. Uh, we, we trust in Coach Pearl and our staff. And, and now we just got to put the work in, and, and, and we're going to get what, the, what we deserve. We're going to work hard toward, you know, achieving that dream. And if it doesn't come true, uh, you know, the one thing we don't want to do is look back and, 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 and say that, uh, you know, we, we took something for granted or we didn't put our best foot forward. So that's kind of where his mindset is right now. And uh, I wish I could predict the future, yeah. uh, but I can't and he can't. Uh, but we believe in Auburn, and that's why he's back. Amen. That's so well said. And I know that so many Auburn fans are going to be thrilled to see number 22 back out there on the floor with Flanagan across the back of the uh, jersey there. Uh, Wes, talking with you here, obviously being a coach is your profession. Being a dad is a responsibility that you have and take pride in every single day. So many times when you look at the great father-son duos in the sports world at the NBA level, you had Doc Rivers coaching his son Austin. On your own very staff, you've got Bruce Pearl, who at one point coached Steven, who also wore jersey number 22. As a father, Alan, or Wes, answering this question, how much pride do you have watching Alan out there on the floor? Man, I, I, I have a lot of pride. You know, first off, like, you know, this year made me really realize you know, how hard it is, uh, you know, to do this, you know, for him and for me. You know, yeah, it's not just about me. It's more about him. You know, what is the pressures that he's, you know, feeling, uh, you know, to try to please me? You know, what is the pressures that he's feeling, you know, to try to achieve his dream, which is to be an NBA player? What is the pressures that he's feeling to try to bring a championship back to Auburn, which he did, you know, when he, when he released his, his uh, statement, you know, last year at this time, uh, you know, he wanted to come back and win a championship at Auburn. Well, he, he achieved that. And, uh, you know, that was a great experience for him as well as me. Uh, and, and so now we want to push forward. We want to continue to try to achieve some of the things that he had in his original statement. And one of those is to be an NBA player. Uh, you know, whether that happened, we, we don't know that. But we're going to put the work in, and uh, we got a great staff, and, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's not easy. You know, it's not easy for him. It's not easy for me. It's not easy. It's not easy for our staff at times. You know, we gotta. You know, let's remove. You know, me and him from the equation. There's tough decisions that our staff has to make about Allen. You know, whether he's playing well, whether he's playing bad. Uh, you know, BP has a, a, a tough responsibility there, um, and and I think he's done a great job with that. 
Just a few more questions for you here, Coach. Again, the time is always greatly appreciated. This is Wes Flanagan. He's joining us here on Sports Call today. And, Coach, not only is is Alan your son, but also here in our job at Tiger Communications, we're so plugged in with the high school scene, the junior high scene, and we know that Colin's entering the high school phase of life as well. we got to talk about Colin Flanagan, the athlete. He wants some praise. We're going to start this right now today on the background. <laughs> Oh, man, you know, he Colin, Colin is a joy, man, and it's amazing as a parent, uh, you know, just to, you know, be around those guys and, and recognize the difference in them, right? You know, all all of your kids as a parent, you know, you go through experiences with them and, and, and you realize how different they are. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he's a guy that, you know, people love him. They love being around him. He's got a great smile. Uh, he, he loves sports. He loves people. And uh, I'm interested to see what happens with him, man. Right now, you know, he, he runs track. He, you know, he high jumped like 5'9 or something this year. Uh, you know, he, he plays football, plays safety, uh, and he plays basketball. And I think, you know, if he was to make a choice right now, you know, he, he may decide to play football. Uh, so he possibly could be the first planning in to maybe put on a football jersey. Who knows? But... You know, I'm going to sit back and support him like I supported Al. And, you know, uh, I'm just as proud of him as, as I'm proud of Al and, and my son, Michael Lewis. That's right. And look, that, that we're plugged in. That's what we're telling you, Coach, is that we know what's going on in the area for everybody. <laughs> And, uh, and we're, we're keeping tabs on the entire Flanagan family. Let me get you two more, and I'll let you get out of here. As we talk about what's next for you guys, you mentioned the Israel Tour coming up. Uh, you're getting set for another competitive year in the SEC. The offseason that was with the transfer portal as crazy as it's been, when you look across the league, how's Auburn shaping up, you think, going into this season? Well, I, I, I think we definitely have. Um, our, our talent level hasn't dropped off. Now let's let's be honest. You know we had you know probably the best college basketball player in the country last year, in Jabari Smith, and right alongside him we had the defensive player of the year, <laughs> uh, in Walker Kessler. And so uh, there's going to be a little bit of a drop off there, uh, but man, I, I tell you what, man, I'm I'm so excited about you know our forwards and, and our front line again. Uh, you know you know guys like you know Dylan Caldwell have an opportunity to be able to step up. You know, again, Jalen Williams, you know, getting getting more of an opportunity this year. Uh, who could, you know, Jalen probably could have started on any other team in SEC last year. But, you know, he chose to stay here, be loyal to us, to be a part of a championship. Uh, and then you got, you know, two or three new guys coming in. Uh, and Yuan and, 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 and Joe, who, who are very, very talented and in their own right. And, uh, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out right now. Stretch Akinbola being able to come back and give us some experience and, and leadership. Uh, really excited about those guys. We're long, you know. Again, we're athletic. Uh, now, it's, you know, it's on the staff to kind of put those pieces together. Uh, this team will be different, as all those teams have been the last four years. Uh, but I think we got a staff that'll that'll figure it out and, and figure out a way to make this team competitive again. We've gone nearly 20 minutes, and we haven't mentioned Katie Johnson's name yet for a single time. And you mentioned social media already. You know how much the internet and social media loves KD. Tell me something right. about KD Johnson going into this year and tell the fans something about him that they might not know. All they see are his facial reactions and that sort of right. thing and the effort that he plays out there on the floor. But uh, give us an update on KD, Coach. Man, well, you know, it's, it's two words, man. Like, 
You know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the kid is, you know, maybe 5'11". Um, but in that 5'11 package, man, you got a 7'2 heart. And, uh, you know, he's passionate. He's emotional at times. Uh, but we, we love him. You know, he's ours. And, uh, man, that, that guy goes out there and, you know, every game, you know, when you got KD Johnson on the team, you know if he's on that floor that he's going to bust his tail for you. And I think the thing that may get misconstrued, and we talk to, you know, we get, get calls from NBA scouts and, and things like that, and, you know, they have questions. But, like, KD Johnson is a unbelievable teammate, first and foremost. Like, all of those guys love him. Uh, now, he's going to argue with you. <laughs> you know, he, he's, you know if you, you're in the, in the dorm and you guys having a discussion about, you know, who's the best NBA player, uh, in the summer league right now, like you can expect to, you know, have a three-hour argument with KD. He not, he's not giving in, and he's gonna win that argument. <laughs> uh, but he's an unbelievable teammate, man, and we're glad to have him. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of growth in him. Uh, you know, not only you know last year, but even this summer. And uh, you know, we, we just want to continue, man, to try to help KD achieve, you know, the things that he wants to achieve while he's here at Auburn. Uh, you know, and, 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 and continue to help him become a better young man. Outstanding. We're, we're fired up to see what he can do and really excited to, to see what you guys can do in Israel. And props to ESPN and the SEC Network for televising some of these events so we can watch it while you guys are a worlds away. Thank you again for the time today. Enjoy the trip to Israel, Coach, and uh, we'll chat with you here again soon, okay? Appreciate it, man. You guys have a great weekend, man, and War Eagle. War Eagle, indeed. That's Wes Flanagan, and he's joining us here on Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into our program. This is Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. I can't say thank you enough to Wes Flanagan, uh, the Auburn Communications Department, for setting that up. Again, the Auburn assistant men's basketball coach joining us on the show. And uh, Ryan and Brooks, Cam, it was just absolutely outstanding, the chat we had with him, his perspective. Alan Flanagan, his son, had a rock star season two years ago, a tough year. You don't even think about what it's like for a father – to watch your son go through the struggles that Allen had a year ago for a really dynamic basketball team. And then, oh yeah, you're his coach! To that perspective, on top of watching all the NBA Summer League action, uh, it was just a really authentic and genuine conversation that we had right there with Wes Flanagan. And again, we're so grateful uh, for his time and, and that we were able to have that chat because it was so deep. Yeah, and you know, that is a unique perspective that... Very. Not a lot of people understand as he talked about, and that's why we wanted to ask him about it because you know not a lot of people have that much invested in someone in multiple ways. Like there's always that father element for all these these kids that grow up, but then there's the coach element, and you know it's 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 the it's the you know meeting of a professional and personal life right there uh, to be involved with your son you know, both on and off the court and and be 
you know, trying to develop him as a player and to help him um, as a player for Auburn and for his future, but then also being able to, as his father, you know, walk with him through these uh, NBA tryouts and discussions and try and lead him on good advice and and that sort of thing. So it's a uh, it's a complicated relationship. And and Wes talked about trying to be uh, very cognizant of that. This is about Al. You know, this is not about what I want. This is about you know Al and listening to what he needs and you know not trying to feel the pressure that you know I'm putting on him or others are putting on him. And uh, it was a it was a great conversation. And as we heard and, and mentioned, he had a good laugh out of this part, which was awesome. I'm glad he took. Uh, the question so well, but here locally in the area, Colin Flanagan is about to go into ninth grade. And uh, fellas, this shouldn't surprise you. He's quite the athlete too. I mean, the the dude is, is uh, yeah, pretty awesome. We'll be saying his name, I'm sure, uh, in years to come. So uh, with that said, again, thanks to Alan, or excuse me, Wes Flanagan. I said Alan earlier too, and I was chatting with him. Wes Flanagan for joining us on the show today. Thanks to Kevin McAlpin and Ben Golliver as well. Next week. We head to SEC Media Days, and boy, oh boy, are we really looking forward to that. Make sure you check out our nightly TV guide presented by White Claw. It's been posted online. Also, be sure to uh, watch the Braves as they take on the Washington Nationals. Brooks, final thoughts as we end this week and get set for a very busy one in the ATL. Yeah, I can't wait to get up there. Can't wait to uh, to get into the mix of all that again for uh, you know another crazy year of SEC Media Days. But uh, it, it's been a fun week. Can't wait specifically for next week to get into the All Star stuff because it, it's I love baseball. Baseball is my second favorite sport, and can't wait to get into uh, you know watching some of that home run derby action on Monday. Cam, appreciate every single thing you do and the hard work you're going to put in for us next week. Just hey from here no problem as we go to your hometown yeah my city but good luck this weekend you've got some fun family things taking place and uh thanks for being on the show of course and then ryan your final thoughts fun week here today great guests bob pockris was on the show this week go bob chuck culpepper was outstanding uh he talked to us from scotland and uh, then a great guest of, of lineup of guests here today, too. And we've got SEC Media Days next week, my friend. I, I think we talked about every sport this week with everybody. <laughs> That's I mean, probably fair to tennis, say. Tennis, golf, yeah. talk college basketball, pro basketball, talk baseball, college football. We had pro football discussions about quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Um, NASCAR. Yeah, NASCAR. If you need a little hockey, the Bolts sign some, re-sign some guys. Yeah. You know, there you go. There it is. That's that's about all of them. We're pretty elite. We're pretty elite is what we're saying. Thank you guys for being here. Absolutely. Thanks Enjoy for it. being on the Sports Call team. It means the world to me. I love you guys. Uh, look, that does it for this week on Sports Call. When we are back on the air, we will be in Atlanta. We're raising ATL. our hands in the studio. We're excited uh, for the things to come here on Auburn's First and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Thanks again to Kevin McAlpin, Ben Golliver, and Wes Flanagan for joining us on the show. For Cam Berry, Ryan LaVoy, and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day. <laughs>